Hello and welcome to the Regroup Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Walker. Today on the show, my guest is Mr. Neil Weston, aka Phoenix Starborn. Phoenix is a healer. He's trained in Reiki and massage therapy. More recently, Phoenix has been suffering from a very pervasive mental illness called Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. I found this conversation fascinating to learn more about Complex PTSD and in particularly how the mental illness has impacted on Phoenix's energy healing work that he does. We also talk about society and technology and various different aspects of the universe. So it was an extremely interesting conversation that traverses many topics. I must apologize that about 11 or 12 minutes into the podcast, there was a problem with one of the microphones, but I think that you'll be able to still hear the conversation well enough. But please enjoy this discussion with Phoenix Starborn. Welcome to the Reboot Okay, and we are on. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Regroup Podcast. I would like to introduce my guest for today. This is Mr. Neil Weston. G'day, Neil. How are you, Adam? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm a little, little on the tired side. I understand that feeling. I'm drinking my coffee, so <laughs> we, should, uh, we should be okay once the, the caffeine sort of gets into me. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, uh, on, I'm on the water. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should be drinking water, but <laughs> admittedly, man, I'm a little... I feel like I'm a little uh, exhausted after the equinox full moon. Oh, yeah, fair yeah, enough. I understand that. And I just... I always kind of... I do struggle with sleep in, around the full moons. It just it upsets my sleep cycle, so... Oh, we have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were just telling me that you generally have sleep yeah, though, yeah, yeah, I have, um, yeah, I have quite bad um, insomnia, but I also have sleep apnea, which I didn't know about for more than ten years. So, um, wow, yeah, that um, can make you feel exhausted all the time. But the full moon experience you have, yes, I get the same thing. Yeah, like full moon nights, I rarely sleep. Yeah, barely those nights at all. The whole night. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it, for me, it's it's regularly two nights before. I struggle as well. Yeah. And usually once the full moon hits, I can usually get a bit more rest. Yeah, it's interesting. New moons too? Do you get it on new moons? Uh, not so much. It's, no, it's the full moons definitely. And, and like you said, to the preceding day and the day after for me. So you're still very much in that full moon energy, I guess. Yeah. Do you feel it's, it's more... Uh, the effect is stronger during equinoxes and solstices as well? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'm, you know, I'll often find myself out in the backyard in three or four in the morning, staring at the moon, just absorbing that energy uh, for whatever reason or motivation. I don't know. It's just the, 
that's just been a recurring thing that's been happening for years. So yeah, yeah, charging up your inner crystal. Yeah, well, I do take my crystals outside and charge them. Yeah, off. yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, man. Just while while we're on this topic, um, as I'm pretty sure you know, I, I work in in the health industry, in the mental health industry. Yes, and I'm flabbergasted by how few professionals in the mental health industry don't even consider the effects of hormones. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's almost mythology to them. And I kind of think maybe that's... Uh, it totally is myth, man. Like things, you know, th uh, when, when you're studying like psychology degrees and such things, you're still working within a very rigid framework to achieve your credentials and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, if it's not accepted in your main text, mainstream text and teaching practices, well, you know, that probably relays why people in those positions don't really take those things into account. And I can confirm that it was never brought up during my, my undergraduate studying psychology. I can't ever remember <laughs> ever talking about the effects of celestial bodies in that, in that degree. I mean, there is definitely a disorder called seasonal affective disorder, which yeah. is more about seasons, mm -hmm. but that's more um, determined by the effects of being in really serious cold yeah. or really serious hot yeah. for extended periods of time so that you, you're talking about effects that are mostly characterised by depressive effects. Yeah, understood, from, yeah. From being indoors for ages and things like that. It's not anything to do with the moon, but... Yeah, look, I, um, I talk about it a lot with colleagues. I bring it up a lot for my own interest. I'm really interested to see how um, people are affected by things like the, the effects of the moon and celestial bodies, equinoxes and solstices. And I'm also really interested to know how considered it is within the mental health industry. And like, I don't, I haven't shared this with many people, but I, I am flabbergasted by how few. I, I don't, man. I reckon I could count on one hand the amount of people that I've brought it up with who have taken it seriously and who have gone. I've noticed that too, Adam. It's yeah, bizarre. I think, um, you know, that's why we need more people like yourself that are willing to look at all these aspects. I mean, you only have to look around in the natural environment to see that um, um, these celestial events affect animals and nature and, and you know. That's so, exactly right. Um, of yeah. course they're having an influence on us. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I think that uh, we just, uh, our human race seems to think they're all far more intelligent. They block things out. There's this, you know, this connectedness that's missing um, from a lot of people. I mean, it's not missing, they're looking for it, but I don't know, they just don't seem to blend well with uh, the environment, I guess, that they're in. Yeah. And that could be stresses and work or whatever it may be, I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm very interested in this. I mean, as a, as a psychologist, uh, I definitely noticed that one of the main reasons that people are struggling with, with mental health yeah. is, is a lack of connection. They, they seek it, they're, they're having a hard time finding it. Uh, the, that lack of, of connection means that they're not practicing being expressive, means that they're not developing uh, empathically and being able to feel the feelings of others. 
and, I, and over an extended period of time, you know, this this has the potential to cause um, some some pretty serious sort of mental uh, schisms. These these sort of experiences. Yeah, well, I understand. Uh, I myself, I've been um, uh, just the year, last year and a half myself, I've been battling with um, complex PTSD, um, which I didn't even know I had, <laughs> of course. Um, so I, I understand those experiences. Um, and I only recently had that revelation, pretty much what you were saying there, is um, that I was having a separation. Uh, it's a separation from source that I was feeling, separation from the divinity or, if you want, want to say, God, creator, universe, however you wish to view it. Um, yeah, obviously I've put a lot of thought into this process and I'm halfway through the process still, but, um, yeah, I've came to the realisation that I have a separation from the divine, like the... The connection is damaged. It's not broken, but damaged. Yeah. So that's been quite a. It's been quite an interesting journey. I bet. Um, you cool to talk more about? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, look. This is this is already fantastic conversation. <laughs> We're already getting into some really, really worthwhile, meaningful discussion. Yeah. Um, before we get too far down that track. Yeah. Because this is the first time that, that I've had you on, on the show, um, for our, our listeners' sake, I'd, I'd really appreciate it if you could just do a little bit of an introduction and let them know who you are. Yeah, sure. Whatever you feel is important to share in terms of your story. Yeah. Um, and then let's let's jump into that topic. But yeah, if you could introduce yourself for our listeners' sake, uh, I'd be grateful. Okay. Well, hello everyone. My name is Neil Weston. Thank you for listening today. Uh, it's an honour to be here and talk with Adam and um, have all you guys listening in. And so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm from Adelaide. I was born and bred down in Adelaide. Yeah, so I was, uh, Where I was born in a place called Seaton, where I grew up was Ingle Farm. Okay. So um, I was born in 1969 and named after Neil Armstrong okay. after he walked on the moon. So I'm, I'm pretty old. <laughs> I don't feel like, I still feel like I'm 27, but... <laughs> Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so I grew up in a, um, you know, a regular middle-class family. I've got three older brothers. Grew up down there? Yeah, yeah, I didn't leave South Australia till I was uh, about 18, somewhere around my 18th birthday. I went, went to Brisbane. I went to school in Ingle Farm High and Bankshire Park High School. I never went to university or college or anything. I was never, um, unfortunately, I was never encouraged to do anything like that. Yeah. I do look back at that as a bit of a disappointment um, because uh, I excelled at school. Uh, I did all the harder subjects you could possibly do, your physics, your chemistry, or both your maths levels, computing, English. Uh, don't know. Uh, I, was, I was brought up in that. Um, conditioning where you, you go out, you, you go out and get a job. You know that's this is the way you do things. It wasn't about study or um, improving yourself. It was um, go to school, get a job. You know, so I was brought up with that mentality. So the academic um, drive was not in my family from my parents to to do anything like that. So yeah. So what did you do after school? 
I went and worked in a roller door factory. <laughs> um, I went there to work as a storeman originally. You know, I was like 17 years old or whatever. Yeah. I think I was earning about $90 a week. Um, you know, I was happy to have a job. Uh, I was quickly promoted. Um, but I was only there, like I said, I moved to Brisbane when I was 18, so it wasn't... Uh, yeah, my dad worked for Ansett Airlines when they existed. He's an aircraft engineer. So he transferred to Brisbane and I decided I wasn't quite ready to fly the coop yet, so I went with them. Um, it's quite funny, the, the day that I actually was resigning, the boss came up to offer me another promotion and I said, um, oh, I'm actually leaving, I'm going to Brisbane. He goes, oh, that throws a spanner in the works. So, yeah. So he was going to promote you before you actually announced you were leaving? Yes. Yeah. That's got to feel good. So, so, yeah, it did sort of. It was an interesting feeling. Yeah, he had a tough announcement. Yeah. And then he pulled out that promotion. Yeah. That could have... Yeah, yeah. I've had similar experiences to that, but, um, but yeah, no, it was just one of those funny events that happened. It was like, oh, well. So you went to move to Brisbane? Yeah, yep. And then what? Oh, well, I, I got a job in Brisbane. I didn't like Brisbane when I first moved there, and I'm not particularly sure if I still do now these days, because I lived there for a little while, but... Um, I ended up getting a job through what they used to call the CES, which is now Centrelink, um, oddly enough, in aviation, so in the footsteps of my father, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what was your role? Um, so I was working for an aircraft maintenance company. Once again, I started there as, as a storeman. No, no sorry, I apologise. I started as a storeman, then a salesman for an aircraft parts company, yeah, before I moved into the maintenance sector. So did you study engineering or...? Did no, no, I don't have any... Uh, I mean, I have some qualifications, but um, those are, like, work qualifications, things that I've done in my adulthood, you know, as I said, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't go on to any college or university and get any degrees or anything. Uh, yes, I know a lot about engineering, but I have no engineering degree, you know, it's like... Oh, Oh, all heavy maintenance on aircraft. Uh, during the life of an aircraft, there's pretty much nothing left on that plane that was its original part. Uh, the maintenance schedules on those things are incredibly high. You know, they're constantly being worked on. And, uh, so, you, so you didn't have to have any specific qualifications when you did this job? No, I just, I just self-teach myself most things, you know. and. Um, <clears throat> Oh, to be a licensed aircraft engineer, uh, yes, most definitely you need the qualification to do that. Um, what, uh, what I ended up doing, um, or previously I actually ran a, a, a business, an aircraft parts business in Cairns for 10 years, uh, a company called Avial, that's a subsidiary of Boeing. So I was a branch manager of that for 10 years. So that was quite interesting, working for a rather large American corporation certainly opens your eyes to a lot of things. Um, but what I ended up doing uh, the last time I did work in aviation, I haven't worked for a year and a half now, was um, it was all technical maintenance planning. So I would monitor aircraft systems and schedule maintenance, 
develop engineering packages for the engineers to do their work and stuff. So, yeah, basically that job was to monitor what's going on with the aircraft and develop the schedules of maintenance that was required on them. Mm. It was a pretty cool job. It was a bit like being a, I don't know, a detective and a mathematician at the same time. Because <laughs> there are so many different moving parts on an aircraft. So and the fact that you were there <coughs> in that position, mm -hmm. it, it sounds like it, it does come down to the timing that you were able to get into it. You learned the practical sides of it all through on the job work that you did. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Nowadays, surely that would be a highly regulated industry. Oh, it's a, it's a massive, massively regulated industry. Um, to be a, to do that uh, maintenance, maintenance planning type work, um, yes, quite often they prefer licensed engineers to do that work. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, I guess I just have a high aptitude um, for learning. I, I learn very quickly. Yeah. So, yeah, I picked up those things very fast and just ran with it. Yeah. I must have done a good job because even um, ExxonMobil contracted me separately to do, do their books as well for their aircraft. So oh. that's their maintenance logs and et cetera. Yeah, so oh, okay. that was kind of cool. Oh, that, that, that felt good, you know. Yeah. You can talk about some massive companies and it's interesting to be up in that room where you're when, like you said, you don't have a qualification for a certain thing, but you've managed to teach yourself all this stuff. Did you, <coughs> in, in psychology, what we would call when somebody feels like they're in a place where they don't deserve to be? <laughs> Imposter syndrome? Yeah. Did you ever feel that? Oh, many times. I've felt that in several roles, you know. I, I, I often say that um, the trick to being a manager is to being able to tell the best bullshit. Am I allowed to say bullshit? <coughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my little in-joke for... That's my in-joke for becoming a manager. So listen to that, folks. If you want to be a manager, you've got to learn how to talk the best bullshit. <coughs> yeah, most of, most of management is all about instilling confidence. Yeah, yes, yeah. It's, um, uh, so most of them don't actually... You'd be surprised how many people have imposter syndrome. It's like... A lot of people don't feel like they deserve to be in positions they are. And a lot of them, uh, you know, everyone's the same, mate. We're all, we're all the same, so it doesn't matter if you're a manager or if you're the janitor. All the same. Like, right. I got called a maverick at Avial, that big Boeing co company, because, yeah, I'm not a rule follower, really, so... <laughs> Man, one of, the, um, one of the, the worst bouts of imposter syndrome that I've, I've ever had was when a few years ago I was, I was lecturing at university. Yeah. I was only, I was just enrolled in st starting my PhD, so yeah. I was just a PhD candidate, and I got asked to, to be a tutor, and I did that very successfully, tutored some of the, some of the, the cohorts that were coming up yeah. after me. Um, and so I didn't really know heaps about the topic. I just done the subjects before yeah. so I could help guide <coughs> students that were coming through. Yeah. And apparently I did such a good job of it and as a performer and a, you know, a singer and a speaker, yeah. um, they thought that I was really good at presenting. Yeah. So they asked me to, to do some associate lecturing. And I was, and I was only 29 or <laughs> whatever I was. You know, it was. I was really young and I'm, 
out the front of like 200 people in the lecture theatre. Yeah. The expert on, in, in the psychology. Expert, yeah. Like, oh man, did I have that big I t- I totally punch understand. in the guts of imposter syndrome? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I'm faking it till I make all right, we might have a few little disruptions along the way with, with audio technical we're, problems. We are experiencing technical difficulties. You, you get that. You get that sometimes. All right, mate. So thank you so much for, for introducing yourself and telling us a little bit of, of your story. Um, one, one part that uh, I, I know that's part of your story that, that I, I think is interesting and and it's, it's relative because it's sort of partly how I feel that you and I connected. Yes. Um, was that you've, you've done a fair bit of Reiki and spiritual energetic work. Oh, uh, yeah, lots of spiritual work. Um, yeah. I would hope that everyone is doing spiritual work. Yeah. At least on themselves, if not on others. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so, yeah, so Reiki is um, it's a magnificent tool because uh, you're connected to that is being connected to source. Mm. Reiki is not about the practitioner. Reiki is coming from divine source directly. Mm. Uh, that's how I feel about it. Uh, whenever, whenever I use Reiki um, on people, I, all I am thinking about is channeling divine light and love into that person. Obviously, I can sense issues in their body uh, where there are problems. Uh, whether they be physically or spiritually, and you can work on those. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just a little aspect. I mean, you know, life is a spiritual journey, so... Indeed, yeah. Being, I was sure not is. brought up religious at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was brought up with morals, so that was good. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get into Reiki? What, what drew you... Because you... Cause you did you study Reiki? Did you? Yes, yes, you yes. Formally studied it. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, and I um, also have a diploma in remedial massage. So, yeah. um, so what what drew you to that that sort of work? I was a girl. Ah. <laughs> I had a partner for a couple of years who uh, was a, a massage therapist and a Reiki healer, and um, yeah, I was just really liked both of those things. Yeah. And so I decided to learn them myself. Yeah. Um, so was that your first introduction to the, the practice? Yeah. Through her? Yeah, it was pretty much. Um, yeah. Especially the Reiki, obviously massage. I think, you know, not most, if not everyone, should have one. Come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Promote yourself as much as you want, man. Phoenix. Like yourself, whatever you Look want. Look me up as Phoenix Starborn. <laughs> Some people know me as that. Yes. And, um, yeah. Uh, Look up Phoenix Starborn. I mean... It all, it all just stems off the spiritual journey, Adam. It's, uh, you know, like I said, it was not brought up religious. Yeah. Um, and so we look for answers. That's, that's what we do. Well, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? Why is the world the way it is? And et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I did, I went down the Christianity line early in my 20s, you know, being on that seeking journey. Mm-hmm. Um, then I veered away from that because um, I found it, well, I don't like religion, faith, and God is fine, excellent actually. Yeah. Um, but I don't like religious dogma and the frameworks, and you know, I have a hard time um, following books written by men purportedly to be the word of God, sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so I veered away from Christianity and um, went more on a personal spiritual journey, which I really think that's what life is actually about. It is a personal journey, you know. There's like whatever it is, eight billion of us 
fractals of this God consciousness experiencing itself in all these different ways. Um, and we really should, should have more people doing what you're doing right here, having discussions with people about topics of meaning. You know? Yeah, I um, agree. That's why, that's why I'm doing it, man. Yeah, there's just uh, there seems to be just a frivolous amount of communication that doesn't mean anything these days, particularly with platforms like Facebook and stuff like that. So this, this brings us back yeah. to, to what we were discussing and the, the, the disconnection that, that seems to be so prevalent with, with people. Um, and I kind of, I cut you off when, when you started extrapolating on that and you were refining it in that it's a connection with, with the divine. Yes. With spirit. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this, this Facebook, social media stuff that, that's happening yeah. is, is certainly uh, a, a prime example of how we've, we've developed lifestyles which are, unfortunately, they're, they're harbouring this disconnection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in, in you, you also shared, before I, I cut you off and asked you to do an introduction, yes. that, that you'd been struggling yourself. Yes. In, in sort of recent times. So, yeah, yeah, big time. Um, to, to confront you a little bit. That's fine. Uh, you, you've, you were sharing with us that you were on this journey and, and through um, the, the pathway that you were on, you met somebody who introduced you to this practice, which yeah. you then refined. And, uh, and we've also discussed how that, that disconnection from spirit can really cause problems for people. Um, so, for you, what, where did it go wrong? Like, have you, are you off your path now? Or were you off your path when, you know, something happened recently that has caused you to have problems characterised as PTSD? Okay, yes, yeah. Um, that could be a very long conversation, but I'll um, try and make an abridged, summarised version of it. Um, obviously, By all means. I mean... We've, we've got time and, and we could carry this conversation yeah. on past uh, this one uh, podcast uh, if you want. Yeah. But you, but you deliver the re response to that question, yeah. inquiry, however you like. I'm more than happy to do that. And, yeah, it's, um, yeah that, that could be many, many hours of discussion. Yeah. Um, so let's just say that uh, it was... There's developmental trauma, some childhood emotional neglect. Mm -hmm. um, and... Complex PTSD is differed from PTSD, as you would know, but some, some of the listeners may not. Yeah. So PTSD is usually derived around singular traumatic events. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, that's in simple terms. You've all heard about it from, uh, say, military. You know, it's quite commonly associated with military personnel, mm -hmm. you know, off doing their thing and, and, and coming back with PTSD. So, sorry to cut yep. you off. Let, let's even go back even further to okay. describe that PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. Correct. So for any listeners who aren't sure what we're talking about, PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. Correct. So and CPTSD is complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, the difference there is this is sustained traumas over long periods of time. So we can be, um, and I'll offer a trigger warning here, we can talk, be talking about um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, 
Neglect. Yeah, neglect. Yeah, sorry, that was, that was the exact word I was looking for, you know. Yeah. Neglect over long periods of time. And this develops a complex trauma pattern in someone's life. So <clears throat> the reason I, I, didn't, I didn't understand, I'm only still in the middle of understanding all of this, and the reason it's come to the fore for me now at this point in my life is coming back to a question you asked before, is yes, my connection at the moment to the divine has been broken, whereas before it was very strong. Mm. Um, but that's also, uh, to me, I'm actually feeling that it's very much a, a bit of a rebirthing process mm. that mm. I needed to go th through all this old stuff because I've just been repeating the same patterns in my life for many years. And, you know, obviously, you know what happens then. You repeat the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It just doesn't come. Mm. <clears throat> so I, I actually hurt my back at a job over a year and a half ago. <clears throat> and that has put me in a position where I'm actually unable to sustain a job, a normal job. And so that put me in a position where I had <clears throat> no way of escaping <clears throat> uh, facing these issues which is what I actually used to do. As in you were <clears throat> a good change, distraction? I'll, yeah, I would change jobs all the time. You know, I'd struggle with jobs. Um, I'd have lots of absent days. I mean, deep down, I seriously do not fit in that nine to five working environment mm. at all. That's, I hadn't recognised that I was just crashing from job to job, as I said, repeating patterns. And this is based on some of that trauma, but yeah, mm -hmm. deep down I just don't feel like that that's what I'm supposed to be doing and that's another reason I started leaning into the healing work. Okay, and so just to, just to clarify... Yeah. <clears throat> I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> was, so was there, there experiences or manifestations of your, your post-traumatic stress that then made the work unmanageable for you or did you feel that you were you were innately not suited to that that style of, of, of work, life, yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. And so you would you would leave that job and then try different job. structured structure of, of job or you uh, do that you'd you'd essentially just you'd fall back into another position which was nine to five as well. Yeah, well, very much so. You know, some, sometimes I would have a break in between. Um, so I would burn out very easily. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have uh, sleep apnea and have chronic insomnia and yeah. uh, you can imagine how when you're exhausted all the time that you burn out very quickly. Okay, so is the, the, the sleep, sleep issues, mm -hmm. are they a direct product of the, the stress disorder? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I'm still in the middle of working all this out myself. Yeah, I'm yeah. not doing it by myself. Obviously, I'm seeing a healthcare professional. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely definitely had an impact. It's definitely had a huge impact on that. Um, even I don't deal well with, uh, and this is definitely related to CPTSD. I don't deal well with stress. Yeah. Or aggression. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm a very peaceful person. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously you are. jobs are uh, quite, usually quite stressful, especially some of the jobs I've done. Yeah. Uh, they're very uh, highly stressful. Because uh, I was conditioned to do that whole go to school, get a job, 
I never had a family. I've never been married. I almost got married once. I don't have any children. So, but mm -hmm. you know, it was all about chasing this thing that never actually worked out for my predecessors. But this is what you're conditioned to do. Being told to do, yeah, this do is what this, doesn't work. Yeah, keep doing what doesn't work, <laughs> and you know, someday it'll work. And that, you know, that just doesn't work for me. <laughs> it doesn't work for anybody. I, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's working that well yeah. for anybody. <laughs> so yeah, the um, the CPTSD is still something that I'm um, working on and understanding. Obviously, this is something that's taken a long time to develop. Mm -hmm. So it's probably going to take a little while to heal. Mm. And I might just say in there too, I, in case you're wondering, I am not currently doing Reiki work okay. because this energy is not right at the moment for it. Yeah, yeah. So it would be inappropriate for me because I feel professional about that work to yeah. do uh, energetic work when my own energy is out of balance. Mm -hmm. So massage is fine, body work's easy, but energy work, um, which is my favourite part, I definitely am not doing at currently until I resolve these issues to a reasonable level. Yeah. Where okay. I feel like I have that connection back. Yeah. Okay. So so getting back to the the experience of being in a work life that isn't really necessarily suitable for you. Uh, you you're having these these experiences of, of getting tired, yeah. um, you're noticing you're getting tired, so your work's suffering. Yeah. That makes you anxious about going to work the next day exactly. and the day after that, and it creates this this real sort of cycle of, of stress. Is is each time these sort of incidences occur or these episodes occur, yeah. are these adding on to the complexity? of the stress disorder? Are these part of the little ongoing stresses? Yeah, that, absolutely. That building up? Yeah, absolutely, because um, as I said, you know, you, uh, when you don't know what was going on, which mm. I did not know what was going on, yeah. um, yes, you keep repeating the same thing. Yeah. And yes, it, it- And it's exacerbating. It adds like a bank, like you're building up money in the bank mm. to, to your stress, because you don't, you don't know completely why you're feeling this way, so you um, you try and change. You change jobs. You might change relationships. Stuff or, on the surface. Yeah, the surface stuff. Yeah. yeah. And anxiety and depression. I don't ever feel like I've been depressed in my life up until this last year and a half. Mm. So it's been a very deep and hard journey because all my previous um, coping mechanisms were to change my circumstances, mm -hmm. which meant changing jobs, moving house, whatever it might be. So, those so sorts when of you things. did this, was this this is distraction for a little while, yeah? So it freshens things up a little bit on the surface. Yeah, it's like yeah, refresh start. Yeah. Maybe this will go better. And mm -hmm. but it doesn't because you haven't, you know, you haven't dealt with core core issues mm -hmm. uh, that are, you know, making you make your decisions, you know, it's yeah. PTSD or CPTSD is such a pervasive thing yeah, that yeah. affects every aspect of your being and your life, mm -hmm. your decision-making processes. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it's quite an incredible, incredible thing. Indeed. And, and it's, I think it's very important for us to acknowledge how much what we're talking about is, is a completely unconscious process. There's, there's no 
intention going on here that exacerbates this disorder. This no. is all stuff that is lying deep within the psyche. Absolutely, that's exactly what repeating it is. over and over again. Yeah, you don't even know about it. Well, I certainly didn't. And, yeah. um, and I mean, you might know that you've, obviously you might know that you've suffered some trauma or that you may have been abused or whatever, you might know that. Mm. But you don't know the uh, uh, the underlying ripple effects that that has caused through everything that you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How you view the world, how you react to th situations. Yeah. You know, sometimes I walk into a shopping centre and I can't even deal with being in there. I'll turn around and walk back out again. You know, there's just too much energy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'm empathic. You know, I kind of think I must be empathic because I do pick up on people's energies very easily. Um, so, yes, going into large crowds for me sometimes is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have this horrible, uh, and I apologise to everyone that I've ever done this to, but uh, I have this tremendous difficulty, say, being in a social environment, be it a bar or a party or, or, or a festival or whatever it might be where... Uh, I leave without saying goodbye to anyone because I find it such an... I do it too. Yeah. I find it traumatic and, and I do awkward. I do that too. And I, yeah, I don't deal with... It, it, it's a thing... Uh, so the psyche part of that is that you don't want all that focus on you. Yeah, That's yeah. what it comes down to is you don't, you don't want everyone focusing on you. Because the moment I feel like I'm going to say goodbye to a group of people, I feel like everyone's looking at me. And that's not the case. I know that intellectually, but this is the feeling. And these, these are some of the feelings that, you know, that's just one tiny little thing that comes with part of this, this trauma. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, I understand those kind of dynamics, Neil. Yeah. As being evolutionary inherent defense mechanisms. Yeah. So you're trying to minimize the uh, potential for even more stress being triggered within your body. Yeah, so absolutely correct. It, it's it's easier to avoid that potential. Yeah, and and just leave. It's like risk management. Yeah, that's you, know, uh, you know, one of one of the huge things with um, CPTSD is hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I can tell you the last time I felt relaxed was in two thousand and four. Wow. So I may come across as being a very calm, cool, collected person, and I know I do most of the time, but inside I feel wound up like a spring yeah. all of the time. Yeah. In fact, when I try to go to sleep at night, and I say try because I have great difficulties with sleep, um, I'll often have my hands clenched in a fist yeah. while I'm trying to go to sleep because my body is in so much tension. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely a result of trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hypervigilance is... You know, you're on fight or flight all the time. Yep. You're in that alert mode, 24/7, never goes away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for those who don't understand this, this is uh, an autonomic process. So it's a, a biological mechanism, which, back in the days when we needed to avoid saber-toothed tigers and things, <laughs> yes. Uh, was was very important for us to develop this this system within our our biology. Um, so that we can avoid danger. We, we need to, to be able to um, run away from things that are dangerous or fight things if we, if we need to. So everyone's heard of this, this fight or flight system. Surely it's pretty common language now, I think. Yes. But what um, I think is really important to point out 
in the discussion where we're talking about hypervigilance is being hyper alert all the time, it releases a chemical called cortisol. And cortisol is the basis of stress. So essentially you're experiencing high degrees of stress all, all the time. Absolutely correct. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So one, one thing that I'm, I'm really fascinated about, Neil, is how you, you brought up that going into a, a supermarket <coughs> yeah. can, can be uh, really stressful. Can be overwhelming. Can be, yes. can be yeah. overwhelming. So um, personally, I'm, I'm very interested in how we can essentially develop societies and, and cultures and environments that are more conducive to, to peace and, and be able to, you know, have, have environments that are, are less likely to be able to trigger uh, these sorts of, of stress disorders for people. Yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I think for a lot of us that is a desire, you know, a dream to have that sort of Society, I'll say back again because I kind of feel like it must have existed in that state in the past. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated that you say that. Like that's a really interesting point of discussion. Yeah. So, so what what then would be the features that were present that aren't <clears throat> now that we could perhaps extract uh, out from the discussion like this? Well, I think um, I think we're severely lacking a community and tribe. Um, mentality these days. Uh, most of us or a lot of us don't don't even know our neighbours anymore when, mm. you know, 20 or 30 years ago that wasn't the case. You knew everyone in the street. Mm -hmm. um, where I don't personally watch TV or the news because I find it completely horrendous. Um, but, you know, we're conditioned in this fear all the time, we're, I'm you know, we're supposed to fear everybody. We're supposed to fear ISIS or whoever the latest thing's gonna be. Fear your neighbor, fear the African, fear anything that's different, you know? And um, that just creates division between us all. We're all too scared to talk to each other and be, be kind and friends to each other. I think we're just missing that community and tribal aspect that, yeah, like I said, surely existed in the past, but we've been divided into these little groups of fear factor. Mm, mm, you know, keep, okay. keep everyone separated. Uh, All right, so what, what comes up for me when... I probably we, didn't explain that very well, sorry, but... <laughs> no, I think, I, well, well, I mean, I'll, I'll respond to yeah, you. Yeah, that and, would help probably. And if, yeah, you know, if we need to reiterate or whatever, then go yeah. for it. Um, but, I mean, I, I always find these discussions really important and really fascinating. I mean, um, you know, I, I running a podcast called Regroup. Yeah. About regrouping with people. You know, the, the very name, uh, as you well know, because yeah. you were there, yeah. comes from the festival that Regroup. I put on yeah. many years ago called Regroup. Yeah. Uh, where the, the effort was to bring people together and, and develop community. So I, I certainly have been a proponent of, of these kind of ideas. Yes. Um, you know, I, I certainly grew up uh, at a particular point in time. I was born in 78. Yep. 
but I have certainly noticed throughout the course of my life how there is this lack of, of connection. Uh, and, and that was what fundamentally drove me to try and bring people together. My mechanism was generally music and, and, and arts sort of style um, social events. Uh, and I've put on many gigs and had bands and all sorts of stuff to, to achieve uh, getting people together. Uh, and then, you know, my, my podcast here is essentially trying to do the same thing fundamentally. However, uh, I have come to think about life and the universe As in, you do. Different, in different ways <laughs> now. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm really interested in, in developing more dialogue around the problems that actually come from tribalism as well. Yeah. For the intention, the, the utility of perhaps becoming a little bit more conscious about things not turning out the same way as they did after our last round of tribalism. Yes. Um, so we could talk about this from various different lenses, but I'll be full on to the point and extreme. Yeah. You only have to look at Nazi Germany yeah. or you know, communist Russia to look at how like those were products of tribalism. They were groups of people um, developing a group identity and that group identity overpowered individuals within those communities to the point where ordinary everyday people were turned into murderers or rapists or, and doing horrendous things as a product of their, their, their tribe. So I, I feel this is, these are fairly full-on extreme kind of examples. No, and they're fair examples because, you know, they're 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is more now, at this point of the conversation, this is much more now me as a man talking to another man yeah. to try and, um, you know, work some stuff out together that I think... I've very, very rarely ever got any responses from anybody that I've ever hit up. So what about the negative stuff of tribalism? Yeah. So... Yeah, the negative stuff of tribalism, you know, obviously can be... Um, <laughs> those things you just mentioned. Uh, going down that road of... Once again, a separation. You've separated yourself into a lifestyle and... Uh, I would expect that the people that are in that tribal lifestyle with you are to comply with a, a, a belief group, system, group norms. rules and um, structure. And, and you, I mean, yes, you, you do need structure in uh, things. And yes, you do need uh, guidelines and rules and laws because, you know, not everyone's a good person. And, and I, you know, I'm fully aware that utopia is uh, probably not something that's going to be here soon. <laughs> and, you know, you would need the entire global consciousness to come together as a tribe. So uh, when I think of tribe tribalism, I think of it in that scale, in, in the entire world getting along, and I know that's a utopian thought, but... Neil, I, I, think, this is, I think this is really important, man. I think yeah. this is where we really need to start thinking. Yeah. I mean, it's a global consciousness of... Uh, you know, we are all connected. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And so, and this is why I was alluding to how our society is structured to keep us, keep us in fear 
and keep us buying things. And to me, I'll just quickly touch on this, working a regular job to, feels to me like slavery. They've just changed the word slave to staff now, you know. Mm. I really have a problem with going to a place, usually doing a job that a lot of people don't really want to be doing just to get paid money so you can come home and pay that money to someone else so you can exist. That whole concept sounds crazy to me. Mm. It feels crazy to me. You know, I, I don't find it fair that I can't go into the forest and build my own log cabin, you know, because mm. I'll be kicked off the land or whatever, you know. That's, I feel like I should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, grow my own veggies and things like that. But anyway, back on the, yeah, I think it's a global consciousness. If, if mm. this entire planet can't come together as one, yes, in a so, so you're not being able to go way. out into the forest and, and build a dwelling yeah. and not get kicked off the land yeah. really is a product of very localised kind of tribalism. Mm. There's rules that the council, local exactly, council, yeah, permits and, and state license. government, yeah, yeah. and then the, so there's all this stuff going on, exactly, which, which really is a product of a localized kind of tribalism, yeah, and and that is akin to me yeah. to say Nazi Germany or <coughs> communist communist Russia. Um, don't you know? Don't mean anything by picking on those particular I regimes, understand. but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and I apologise to any Germans or Russians that that, that does offend, yeah. um, but I trust that um, they're okay with me using that, them as an example because uh, it, you know, what happened earlier on in the 20th century was pretty abhorrent and I don't think that um, anybody would want to see a repetition of that. So I think they're, they're good to use as, as examples. But that was localised tribalism. It was us in our little pocket of the world we're going to do things our way, and that's what led to this real polarisation between us and them. Yeah. And I think that the permits and regulations that that are in place to stop you from building a little wooden hut out in the forest can be seen through a very similar lens. However, when uh, you you were starting to talk about global consciousness, that's exactly what came up for me. Yeah. And I think it's really important to start really looking at, well, there's a reason for this. There's a very good reason that we've developed technologies. We can tra travel across the world now really quickly. We, we can communicate via technologies, via phones, via video phones and Skype, um, via the internet. We can share files via the internet. We, we are a globalised world now. Yes. And so... What I believe is, is going on is that we are, we're, we're cultivating a new kind of, of connection to other people which is much more globalised and, and much more um, a, a, a full human kind of tribe which, to, to in, in my understanding, is what is required to start caring for the earth a little bit more uh, with what's re you know, required to being able to start actually nurturing our consciousness a little bit more and our thought processes, our empathic processes, uh, and then hopefully, you know, we can really start getting uh, a lot of other things tidied up as well. Uh, for me, it's, it's a timing thing, that it's very much accountable for some of us feeling disconnected from the divine. Yeah. Because I believe that when we've grown up in an environment where our society and our culture calls for us to be part of that tribe, follow the norms, follow the rules, at a certain 
point, that had a kind of a survival utility for us. It was important for us to learn how to plug into that. Um, and as a process of that, we, we developed our spirits and we became connected to the divine. But at some stage, that's all transforming. That's all uh, needing to be revivified. And um, what was the word that you, you, you said earlier on? Um, rebuild it. I, you're so, I can't remember the term you used. Um, but we're, we're really trying to, to do something that is more relevant for what's happening in the cosmos now. And that requires us to disconnect from our old ways. And in the process of that, we're disconnecting from our, our spiritual um, divinity. Yes. And we're learning how to, to redesign it, revivify it, uh, so that it's more suitable for what's going on in this, these current times. Yeah, well, I, I um, believe that um, there are a lot of the psychological issues with that people have these days, as we touched on, uh, for, for me, I believe that's a disconnection from the divine. But I, I also, as you, you were saying there, is that there does, you know, what, what, if you want to call it a cosmic shift, there is this ener energetic shift. You can feel that um, the universe or creation wants us to evolve further and, and come together. and. Um, and this is why I think um, people have a lot of mental health problems is because, you know, you're clashing with all this uh, way of life that we've lived for a long time now. You're, you're clashing with all this conditioning, like uh, uh, repeated conditioning of this is how you should live your life, this is how you should live your life. And we're all, well, a lot of us are sensing that, no, this is not how we're supposed to live our life. We're supposed to be doing it differently and so we clash against the current structure of, you know, capitalism and, and all that things. Oh, capitalism's a good thing, it's brought us many wonderful things. I mean, just mm. look how much this planet has advanced in the last 150 years. Oh, man. You know, we didn't have cars or planes or computers just that long ago, you know? <laughs> it's a, and it's just crazy to see how much progression's been made. Yeah. And I still believe there's probably a lot of stuff that's been held back for us purely to make money out of, you know, I think there are probably a lot of technologies out there still that could help us further, but someone wants to charge us yeah. for it, you know. Yeah. So you, I, think, I think the planet could be in much better shape if, uh, if there wasn't so much greed involved. But I understand that's a complex subject, economics and, uh, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of these advancements without that capitalism. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's a very deep subject to discuss, I guess, that one. Sure, well, I'm interested. I'm interested <laughs> in your thoughts. I'm, I'm really interested in your thoughts. I mean, most, most specifically now, you're, you're a man who has, you've carved your own path. You know, you've, you've remained true to, to yourself, even if... Uh, in a in a, um, an, an ephemeral period of time, yeah. you, you disconnected from your divinity. Yeah, um, you, you've identified that. You know it. So you know you're disconnected. Right. So I believe that having um, practiced that as a as a human being uh, is why you the man that you are, and it's why I think you have very interesting ideas and interesting thoughts, and it's why I'm so honoured to have you here and, and having discussions with you. Yeah, I'm honoured to be here. Thank you very much. So 
I, th I think it's really important for us to, to delve into this. Like, I'm not an economist. I don't um, really pretend to understand really how politics works. I'm not an economist the, either, mate. So. The game of it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I am really interested in, in having discussions about alternative ways or in ways that things perhaps aren't working and, and how they should work. And I believe that this is a fantastic platform to start exploring them. Um, so I, I let, we were just on, yeah. on a, a dialogue that was more around um, sort of stemming from some mental health. Yep. And the, uh, the, the disconnections that ha have occurred as a product of, can we summarise and say there's, there's change that's occurring? And so um, throughout this change, people are required to reconfigure or re recalibrate their, their lives. Uh, so that they can then reconnect with with divinity. Yeah, um, I sort of have a simple analogy there. Um, I believe I'm like a computer operating system. You know, I think yeah. you know I'm like I'm like Windows Seven. You know, in in a biomechanical machine. You know, I'm, that's how I feel about spirit. Is a, a good analogy. Is that yeah, good analogy for how I feel about what spirit is. Is very much like a you know, Windows 7 operating in your computer. So, having said that, yes, you require updates and service patches of your spirit. Um, if you're not constantly, <laughs> yes. if you're not constantly learning, um, you need a defrag every now and again. You need again, a defrag, <laughs> and you know, you condense some information. You know, throw a few files in the bin that you don't need anymore. Yeah. If there's one thing I can't stress enough is to. Um, Never be, never to be fixed in your views and beliefs, because you can be shutting yourself off from truth. There's a if, hell of a lot more that we don't know. Yeah, than that's what we right. You, you got to be willing to change your view and opinion when presented with new evidence, or even if you're not presented with that evidence, you have something called intuition because you're a divine being. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> There's so much distraction out there these days and there's so much information available. It's actually probably overwhelming for everybody. And not only that, there's so much contrary information, opposing information mm. on any topic. Mm. It's very difficult for someone to nav navigate their way through oh, isn't it just? things. So I'm really interested in... in whether or not you could have a go at, at describing the experience of drawing upon this intuition, um, whether it be through a description of the sensations of it. Uh, I believe, Neil, that, that there are a lot of people out there, I mean, I work with them on a regular basis, and they do not really know what intuition feels like. They, they don't feel like they can trust themselves, they're not connected to themselves. So. I'm, a, I'm really interested in having more, more discussions about what it could feel like so that we can hopefully model it for other people. So Wow, that's... Um, can you give, have a go at to it? To model it. Um, what, oh, what intuition feels like is... Um, it, it's a knowing, it's a sense of knowing. Uh, sometimes it's even precognitive, you know. It's, uh, a small example I could say is... Uh, Say you're driving down a street and you know that person's about to cut in front of you. They haven't got an indicator on. I mean, you don't know that for sure, but 
something's just told you this event's about to occur in front of you and so you avoid it. And I have done that many, many times. Uh, intuition is something that is a second nature thing mm -hmm. to me and to describe so, how it feels is... Um, so is, is the intuition, is it akin, similar to when you were discussing earlier about how with Reiki yes. you're yeah. channeling yeah. an energy. Channeling's a good is, word. Is it that same sensation for you? Is it the same thing that we're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah, because I think it comes from the same place. Yeah, yeah. You know, this, uh, I'll call it God consciousness, and I don't want to offend any non-religious non people, mm. but, uh, yeah, from the universe, God consciousness, uh, you know, I think we're tapped into that all the time. Uh, if we give our minds enough uh, space and quiet time to take notice of these things, yeah, there's a lot of information that, uh, I don't know, if, no doubt you have, and I guess, I'm hoping everybody, every, everyone probably experiences knowing things that they shouldn't know anything about mm. and they don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, if you be aware of that, that's your connection to the divine source that you're having. This, we, is, this is intuition, this is Reiki for healing. Yeah, and you, you mentioned very subtly yes. earlier the Akashic Records as yeah, well. Yeah. So, this I know you're a believer in that, the Knights of Akasha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, so this this lends itself at this point of conversation because you're talking about like knowledge and knowing things that you don't know how you know them. They come from somewhere into your mind and suddenly you have this, this confident feeling that you know something yeah. and the place where this knowledge comes from yeah. is that that we describe as the Akashic Records. And, Correct. Well, it was an old ancient Sanskrit yes. concept, but it's starting to become a well-known concept, I think, in, in the West as well. Um, well, you know, my current belief system is that I'm a, you know, I am a fractal of the God consciousness experiencing itself. Um, so having said that, everyone else is part of that as, you know, this is my current belief system. Mm -hmm. That may change in the future or adapt or, mm or become completely different, I don't know. That's how I feel about it now though, is that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do believe that that, uh, that knowledge base is um, something that can be used and how to- The knowledge from the Akashic, Akashic Records yeah. space? Yes. Um, and how to get there to use it. You know, I think it's just going back to simple things like meditative meditations and um, you know, you know, doing doing that inner work. You know, you can't you can't uh, expect the world to change for you. You need to grow for it, and we need to grow into a much uh, much kinder, more loving. Planet. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we're, we're starting to get into some some really good stuff now. Yeah. Um, just because I can, I want to go back to your yeah, let's do it. Your, your <laughs> analogy of the car. The car, yeah. So a simple one, yeah. So I, I just, I, I just, I feel that you know, with the work that you've done and with how. Uh, succinct you are with with your expression. Yeah. I just I just think it's a really good opportunity to nut this out further. All right. So I have much deeper. De I have much better ex uh, examples of it. Okay, cool. Well, <laughs> well, well, maybe 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 it calls for for an example because 
Look, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah, that's good. With the with the car analogy, yes, there is certainly a sense of foresight that could go into that that scenario. So, yeah. as opposed to like an intuitive kind of of feeling I, sense, you I could, understand. You're, you're talking about um, that maybe there's visual cues. Definitely. So this plus this tri- equals that. Yeah, yeah. Co- uh, cognition yeah. as yeah. opposed to uh, intuition. Absolutely, could be that. Yeah. So. Um, so I, I do yeah, have an example. I want to get into it deeper. That, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm like you know, right now I'm I'm feeling and thinking like people that are listening to this could some people could who, who have not really been able to feel intuition for a long time. They're a bit numb. And I speak to people like this all the time. You yeah. know, and the words are hollow, <clears throat> empty. I'm numb. You know, I don't have any feelings. Feelings, yeah, yeah. All, all that sort of stuff. I call, so I call that one point, emotionally catatonic. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant <laughs> description, <laughs> man. Emotional cat, cat, catonia. Yeah, it is. Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity here to hash it out a little bit more. So, yeah, um, yeah what, there's something different about intuition. There's something that, uh, as we then went on to talk about, it's... it's, it's God, God consciousness. It's yeah. tapping into the Akashic records. So yeah, how how do you get there? Let's get a bit more sort of practical, pragmatic, and then. Well, we have to break some old patterns. So, right. so you know, we're conditioned to. Um, um, so you talked about believe, meditation. Believe, believe what we see, and, and so so on and so forth, things like that. So um, we need to start believing what we feel. Um, mm. So we all, uh, you know, believing what we feel. Okay. Believing what you feel. So that is intuition to me, uh, and that uh, that is connected to that is Reiki. That is connection to the God consciousness. Okay. Is, um, now we're getting that's now we're getting more method, methodological. <laughs> so, why why would why would someone not believe what they feel in the first place? Um, How would someone get in that position? We are so extremely capable of telling ourselves lies, and these days even more than in the past, incredibly good at distracting ourselves with other things. So a lot of people don't like facing their feelings, mm. you know, so, mm. so they will do anything to avoid it. Mm. And this can be a good feeling or a bad feeling. And, and I want to bring up what we've discussed beautifully for this, this context was the autonomic nervous system, the fight or flight is complete unconscious. Correct, yeah. That people would tell themselves lies, but it could be for their own survival or yeah. their own Precisely. comfortable. Yeah, feeling, you know. yeah. If it's, um, you know, if you were to, uh, what's an example? Uh, a grey alien materialises in front of a group of orthodox Jews <laughs> and claims that... There is no God or whatever. It's, it's probably going to do their head in. That's probably not the best explanation, but uh, it, it's about confronting predetermined or preconceived ideas and beliefs. I think you need to question your beliefs every single day. Mm. But yes, going back to achieving uh, better a better relationship with your own divine source and your own intuition. Uh, absolutely things like meditation. Uh, and there's some classic oldies like Tai Chi and Qigong. All these things, yoga, anything that can put you in a 
receptive state without distraction makes it much easier to connect to that intuition and divine consciousness okay. that is out there. So, so what what is happening when we're practicing these these kind of arts? What's the, the mechanics of them? Um, for for you, just in, in, yeah, I will say of interest. I will say for me because. Um, you know, I, I believe a lot of people say, for instance, think of meditation as um, being able to have a completely clear mind, like think of nothing, nothingness. Or I don't feel that way about meditation at all. Okay. I, I, I feel that I find a particular thought pattern to think about. To foc- I actually find something to focus on to take me into a meditative place. So it's a visual experience for you? Like you're in your mind's eye? Yeah, yeah, you're, quite, you're quite visualising off, something yeah, in yeah, your mind? Correct, yeah, yeah. Visualising something to get me into a meditative state of being. Because mm. um, I can tell you right now, if I sat there and tried to think of nothing, that's impossible for mm. me. So I, mm. I, can't, I can't not think of things. I think it's... Pretty impossible for most humans. Because I think all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, if, you, it's if, if you're attempting to try and think about nothing, yeah. then technically you're, you're, you're thinking, you're thinking about something. something. Exactly, that's my theory too. So it's, uh, yeah, I find that a little weird. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's really talking to, uh, talking to yourself, not not as in like you know, I'm so when, when I'm a schizophrenic, talk to myself or whatever. But yeah. And apologise to anyone that has schizophrenia. I'm not having a go or making a joke about you, but just trying to make an example. Like, uh, it's having a good relationship with your inner self um, heightens the capacity to uh, connect to that intuitive thought. Yeah. So, so let's go go back to so your yep. your experience of meditation. Mm-hmm. You you use the visualisation process to be able to get into a particular state. Yes. And so from what you just said, is, is that state to you a state where you're able to talk to your inner self? So is the, the experience of meditation, does it then become a process of you talking to your inner self? What it, happens for it, you? It can be, not always. Um, I almost, uh, I don't find it very difficult. I almost immediately go into a white light. I don't know what that means. I'm just in a place that is filled with white light. Mm-hmm. So, and, and is that I'm hoping that is it a visual experience of white light? Yeah. So you've got your eyes closed. Yeah, you've got your eyes closed. But yeah. you can yes. you can visually yeah. see you're experiencing the, the visual sensation of white. Yeah, and and you know what I said, um, you know, it's important to to feel is uh, yeah. There's also that feeling. Of, you can feel. That essence, that that state of being. Uh, I. So is that is is that process? Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a process of emptying your mind? Like, is the white light you experiencing a mind at rest, a mind at peace? It's an interesting question because I'm just trying to think uh, when I am in that place. Peace, yes. Um, there's like this widened sense of your surroundings as well. It's almost like 
your aura, your energy bubble, your spirit grows into a larger globe, if I want to try and put it in a visual reference. But you're still talking about like a literal I'll still just proximal be yeah. physical space. Yes, it's, correct. It's not yeah. expanded into the entire universe at this stage. No. It's just you're, you're still aware that you're the, some sort of seed, you're the core of it. And, yeah. and the bubble has expanded as big as a house or as big as a car? How? Uh, even big as a planet. If you want, I've wrapped the entire planet in love and light before. Yeah. You know, that's, um, so it's you, flexible in terms of how, how big it can get and the size? Totally up to you. Yeah, yeah. If you can encompass the whole universe, awesome. I don't know how big that is. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've definitely been in a place where um, I've felt that um, energy enveloping the entire planet. So when when that happens for you, yeah, are you are you having a, a visual experience of this this bubble, and you can see the bubble literally around the planet in your mind? In a sense, but probably not the way you might be alluding to. Is like I don't see the planet Earth, and I don't, I don't see this sphere. It's a very much. It's it's a feeling. It's a. It's yeah. So uh, it's so I, I might be in that white light place where I have that white light. Hopefully, I think think it's divine light. Um, is the main visual effect in my mind, but. The emotional, the feeling aspect is that encompassing, in this instant, encompassing the entire planet in okay. this orb of love and light. So can you explain like, how you'd know the, the difference between that bubble enveloping the whole planet mm -hmm. versus, say, if you just, the bubble was just enveloping <coughs> the suburb? Like how would you be able to distinguish between those? Well, that's hard to quantify because it's just a, because it's just a sense of feeling. It's it's a, uh, I don't know how to how I can explain that feeling. Is it a feeling that you interpret after the meditation? So while you're in it, you're just experiencing it for whatever it is, <coughs> and then yeah, during after the meditation, you can sort of reflect on it and feel the size of the bubble? Uh, no, it's during the meditation you feel it's it. It's during. Yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. Come, you come out of it fully known that that's, this is the that's, size of it. This yeah, is that's what. what it was, yeah, and that's how it felt. And, and yeah, I'll keep saying it's, it's definitely about feeling, very much like the whole intuition thing. It's, uh, that's what I'm feeling, that connection. Yeah, yeah. This is why it's gone this, this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't, uh, not me, I, I don't get visual representations like I do in this three-dimensional reality that mm -hmm. we're in, you know, I don't, I don't get things like that when I'm meditating. Mm -hmm. Dream state's another universe altogether, but mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. interesting one. <laughs> so, so keeping on track with, with the, the way that you've described it, yeah. do you get to choose the size of this bubble? Yes. You, you, there's intention behind it? Absolutely. Yeah, and is that intention something that you set <clears throat> before the meditation starts? Mm. 
and how do you decide? You can do, you certainly can do. Um, you may not, you may just start a meditation and then go from there because, you know, once you've cleared your mind, or not cleared your mind, I'll say that doesn't happen for me, but once you um, have, are going into your meditative state, you may then have your heightened thought processes kick in and want to do this in conjunction with you. So it is something you do, but it, sometimes it also feels universally directed, so to speak. And, and is that very much the, the raw intuition? So you, get, you just trust in it? Trust, yeah, yeah. So you're not, you're not deliberately kind of, you're not sitting down and analysing what you're going to do with your time during this meditation. Oh, no. It's not a, yeah. but you you can feel that there's some sort of direction that's 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 guiding you to yeah. to to have the bubble expand to a certain um, yeah, capacity. I mean, you, you can do either. You can most certainly go in with the intention to do such a thing, mm-hmm. or or you can go in with uh, complete freedom and let it be whatever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, yeah, I find it better to um, create or manifest a visualisation to get into a med- meditative state. Was that something that you were, you were taught by a teacher? No. Uh, I've mostly taught myself everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've pretty much, yeah, like you mentioned, I've uh, carved my own path for all of my adult life. Yeah. Um, I don't go fit into boxes very well. <laughs> uh, some people might find me strange or peculiar, and that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but uh, I am. <laughs> We're all strange yeah. and peculiar, brother. <laughs> um, so, um, so you, you you practice this meditation technique every day, once a week. Uh, How often would you practice? Not every day. Um, it varies, and, and, and I'll say this, it has been varying lately um, because I've having, been having a tremendous struggle because um, I've had to dig up the roots of uh, the very roots of my psyche of where I am these days um, to, because to, I need to clear them out to, to move forward. So I kind of feel like I'm at this state right now that I've, the uh, best analogy I can give is that I felt very much like a pretty reasonable light worker before, mm-hmm. you know, doing energy work and massage and stuff. And apparently I was quite, am, was quite good at it, but I'm in like a cocoon phase. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a cocoon at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm clearing all this old deep stuff that I didn't know existed so I can come out something much more than before. Mm. That's also intuition. That's what I feel like is going on with me at the moment. Mm. Mm. I'm sorry, I probably veered off your question. Not at all. I I think it's so important, Neil, to to think about it that way. Mm. Um, I think it's extremely detrimental for anybody who is is struggling with with mental health Mm. challenges uh, to think of themselves as broken and mm-hmm. not be able to ever be the same again, those, those kind of thoughts. Yeah, well, of course, those thoughts go through, they go through your head, you know. Um, most certainly. Very, yeah. very, very dark thoughts go through your mind. Yeah, most, most certainly. Yeah. yeah. And I think having the attitude that 
this is actually going to make me a better person yeah. is extremely beneficial. This is the saving grace um, of, thankfully, my self-spiritual work over the years mm. is that capacity to uh, be, be an observer of my own situation. Mm, mm, mm. As so, hard as that can be when you're in it, luckily I still have the grasp on it that I can have that self-awareness to know that I'm going through a process at the moment. It's not the end of my world. Mm. And it's, it's going to take as long as it takes. There's no point rushing it. Yeah. It's, um, you just take it as it comes and slowly it improves. So it without, <laughs> without re yeah, reducing what's going on for you, yeah. um, I, I think that life is like this. Of course, we, it's yeah. A, it's a transition in, <laughs> from, from one state to another. Yes. And, uh, yeah, if we're not feeling through it, if we're not experiencing all the sensations that go along with it, then we're missing out. Mm. So it's really good to hear that, you, you, that you're doing this work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a bit of a believer in creavolution, I call it. It's creation and evolution. Creavolution, so, yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think that this is a creation and we are a creation. But of course, at the same time, we are evolving. Yeah. And uh, who knows? We might be just a we, we might be just a millisecond thought in the God consciousness that is just experiencing itself in a fourth dimensional time frame. You know, that's all we could be—just that one second in a God consciousness thought. But we feel like it's these many, many lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who knows? We don't really know for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I ponder such things. Okay, so you, you shared with us about your, your meditation practice mm -hmm. and we, we, we sort of fell into discussing that yeah. as a process of, of um, trying to explore... Intuition. I intuition yeah. and, and, and I was very specifically trying to get out some, some practical yeah. kind of sense so that we can share with people you know, how, how we, we might um, be intuitive, experience intuition. Yeah, well, so I think everyone is. Um, mm. It's just, but yeah, so what you're asking me is how to tap into it. Um, I'm not sure, I don't know if I have any great answers. It's just a natural thing for me these days that's... Well, you did describe your meditation process. Yeah. So I, I presume that you shared that with, with us as a process mm. of being able to um, cultivate how to tap into your intuition? Yeah. Is that why, yeah, why well, you would do that, that practice? Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly can help with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think probably everyone's so busy these days, it's really just taking a little time for yourself. Mm. And when I say that, I mean, you don't even have to take big blocks of time, but um, it's when you get those, if you get that, not if, when you get those feelings those intuitive thoughts, you may not know it's an intuitive thought at the time, but mm. uh, whether it is, like I mentioned, that person's about to cut me off, you, you did mention that could be a visual cue, but uh, there, are, there are other things that you, you feel. Uh, say you're walking down the street and get a bad vibe off of someone or, uh, you know, you're connected into intuition there. I think it's about uh, if you, you need to explore um, your own feelings when, when you feel them. 
sort of analyse yourself, uh, a lot of people will probably to do with being a lot of distractions out there these days is uh, you have intuition all the time but people just sort of can discard it so easily and mm. we've all done it. I've done it many, mm. many times, you know. Like, you've had that little voice in your head say something to you not to do something and then you've done it or, or you know you know what I'm trying to explain there is like you've had that thought. So I think um, what I'm trying to say here is that it's making a conscious decision to allow yourself to recognise those intuitive moments and just take a minute or two to reflect on them. And the more that you practice that, the, the, the larger your capacity to rely on your intuition increases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I rely on my intuition hugely. My feelings, I rely on them very strongly. Mm. Um, Situations, events, pretty much anything I do, I rely on my intuition quite a lot, Mm. uh, which is really hard for me because I overanalyze everything and high-functioning, intellectual, blah, 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 you know. So So when when you talk about the process of analyzing that is not intuition, isn't it? So we've got to make that distinction. Correct. No, so, uh, um, so the, no what, when, I, when I'm talking about analysing is um, I'm talking about uh, giving yourself, uh, trying to allow yourself to have the ability to recognise that you've had some intuition if mm. you struggle with it um, and then just to just take a moment to, to then analyse what's what's just happened because this might be a silly question because it's like you need to recognize that you're having intuition you know yeah yeah it's probably not a silly question and once again i may not be explaining that as well as i could well now the silly question is what what comes up for me in in this discussion and, and trying to to analyze intuition yeah is how much the mind can get in the way. Absolutely. So when you were talking before about you know, analysing things, and yeah. it's just the, the, the way that you said and then you a, gestured like that it sometimes becomes like it's a an, double-edged an over, sword. overwhelming kind of experience yeah. to analyse with your mind all the time. Yes. So what comes up for me is that it, it can very easily uh, take away from, from tapping into your intuition and practising being intuitive <coughs> because we're... we're overusing our mind. Yeah, 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 good point. So to speak. Yeah, no, you make a really fair point. And um, that's why I said I probably didn't explain it very well. Um, well yeah, and you're absolutely right. because Well, that's the beauty of conversations. What you've, like, what, I, what, oh, what you've actually just said right there, you know, I've experienced many, many times. You know, yeah. I've, uh, you know, I've ruined my intuitive moment or day Flow. or event because I'm analysing it. Mm-hmm. And I've, yeah. done, I've done that loads of times. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And this is, this is an inherent trait of being human. Of course, yeah. This is something that I, I believe has... Um, it's, it's become more prevalent in the human experience, I believe, because of the type of societies and worlds that we've, we've set up. Yeah. 
and the way that we interact with so much of our environment uh, often requires us to use our brain and think about well, how do I use this piece of technology or this bit of equipment you know you've got to think about it I, I believe that the the fundamental purpose of technology is that it's very technical but it doesn't need any logic it's tech techno logic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, Tech, no it's very logic. technical yeah. but there's no logic yeah. behind it yeah so, i understand yeah but that to me is a is a process of becoming habituated to use something so when we first start engaging with a piece of technology, quite often it takes immense cognition. There's so much thinking. Yes. And then it becomes second quite nature. automated yeah, and yeah. second nature and we yeah. can do it really, really easy. Yeah. And, and I believe that you know, the, the, as we develop things, I mean, technology, I, I think, can be summed up in our attempts to make life a little easier all the time. That's why we build things and develop things, to make life a little bit more convenient yeah. for, for living. And we, and don't, so, we often don't realise how convenient or, uh, we have it these days, um, oh, how time. many things are at our, at our doorstep, at our fingertips that we can utilise as tools these days. Big time. Big I'm also time. a little bit concerned that um, it might actually flip around the other way where the, uh, the technology is doing everything for us and people just stop using <sighs> Their intellect. <laughs> this is a this is a juicy juicy topic. You know, this you know, is it's a, a big scary one for me, and I think about it often. But yeah, well, just, I'm a bit worried about the the world seems to be dumbing down a bit, and I don't mean to be will it, will like, it, accusatory to the the world out there. But <laughs> <laughs> well, to, this this for me brings up uh, what I think is a very necessary conversation. Oh, hello. <laughs> my my kittens. <laughs> I'm getting a head leak getting, from a beautiful giving, little kitten. Yeah, some some <laughs> head love at the moment. Um, and that is the the topic of of AI. Yeah. And artificial intelligence. Yeah. So this is this is quite a prevalent discussion that's seeming to to be happening um, amongst various different intellectual circles. Um, and from a lot of the, the conversations that I've heard, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of uh, uncomfortable discussion that's going on about you know, where is it all going to lead to. And so if we're, if we're designing uh, technology to, in a sense, take over the roles of, of what a lot of humans do, um, and then you know, we're, we're working on algorithms that are so complicated that it's in a, in a sense. I mean, you you said before our brains like an operating system. Yeah, exactly. So yep. it's very easy to see how um, a program could be uh, developed so that it it responds very similarly to the electrical stimulations that are going on in our neurological system that is our brain. Uh, it's very easy to see that at the end of the day, like technology and and, and artificial intelligence could very likely uh, come to, to the stage where it's very difficult to differentiate between our, our reality and what is actually a, yeah. a technological advancement. And so, how, do, how do you define, uh, and then how do you define life or live it and living and spirit then? Yeah. To, you know, so obviously it's going to become, well, it's more than likely to become that advanced, yes. So... I'm interested. This is this is more kind of you know blokes sitting around talking yeah. now. Like, what do you think? We're talking about machines now. It's what do you cool. think? What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> what do I think's going to happen? Yeah. Um, what do you think it's going to lead to? 
Well, there's a lot of different factors here. A is if we don't murder our planet and kill ourselves off in the meantime, how far it will actually go. Obviously, we have a limited time anyway. In terms of how far the technology will go or uh, how far the planet will go? How far the planet will go yeah. and, and the, how far the technology will go. I mean, you know, there's a limited time frame where, uh, you know, obviously our sun will grow and explode. That's a long way away, of course, but we hope. Um, so you do have those sort of time My frames. My fingers are crossed, right? You have yeah, those yeah. time frames in there. But oh, oh look, it's, I think it's pretty clear that we're going to go down the, the path of um, being aug augmented humans. Mm. Um, so we will have technology built into, into us into the future. That's how I, see, how I see it going. Of course, you always got to remember this, this have to, has to be profitable too, so... Uh, that's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting road that they walk down, uh, combining medical technology with um, yeah, the human human body, or combining technology with the human body. Mm -hmm. I mean, as I said before, I think that what right now we're in like an extremely sophisticated biomechanical machine, you know, mm -hmm. like, and and we're a piece of software in that. Mm -hmm. I think the design's pretty amazing. I don't know how it's going to get better, but. Yeah, I think as far as we go as a race, um, yeah, I can just see that we're going to get augmented with technology into into our bodies. Um, mm -hmm. you, you won't need a computer anymore. You, mm. you, you, you'll have access to Google just from your brain, from your mind, just thinking about it. Well, you know that's already been Yeah, well, I realise that's, that's going on, yeah. Yeah, what is it? But um, as far as... Elon, the Elon Musk has got... Is it the, <coughs> is it the neural, neural net? Neuronet? Does he, does he call it Skynet after um, Terminator? Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but it, they're already yeah working yeah. on um, different uh, well, that's implants and, and all sorts of devices that can achieve something similar. That's another thing that blows me away is um, these super smart people out there just doing this stuff. I mean, it's like there's just some incredible uh, minds and talents on this planet. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. And and at this point in our discussion, man, like yeah. I love I love talking like this because yeah. to share with you, I I have had over fifteen years for over fifteen years, I've had so many discussions with with people about how horrible the world is, you know, and all these. Um, dark things that are going on. Oh man, haven't they looked outside? Lately, the place is beautiful. <laughs> and I think that is so important to keep in focus. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment um, by uh, Stephen Pinker. Right. I don't know if you know Stephen no, Pinker. No, I don't. Um, he's, he's a brilliant... Um, fu fundamentally, like, he's a, he's a linguist... Um, but um, very, very uh, studied in, in psychology and, uh, and social sciences. And, and he, he's, he's a brilliant thinker. And he put out this book a few months ago called Enlightenment Now. And what he, he was referring to was more the, the era of enlightenment as opposed to the state of being enlightened. Understood. Yeah. So the whole book is a collection of facts and figures and data that displays how over the course of time since science was actually invented uh, in the Enlightenment era, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, 
the em- empirical thinking, yes. uh, like developing ways of being able to support hypotheses came out of the Enlightened era, yeah. era uh, has transformed our world under no circumstances positively. And he, and he, prevent, he presents so many cases whereby, you know, poverty, um, obesity, <clears throat> uh, different diseases, you know, all these figures that have just plummeted as a process of enlightenment thinking and science and the mm. t- and technologies that we've developed. I can understand that. Brilliant book to be reading at this time. Yeah. You know, because I guess I got to a point where, uh, you know, I, I think Regroup itself as a festival was a real turning point for me. You know, when I saw people come together, uh, I, I kind of, I had a, a, a transformative experience in myself one that I was never a pessimistic person. I think I've always been fairly optimistic. Yeah. But having all these people come together and and regroup together and build that community, just it just gave me so much hope for the future. And I really sort of I went on a bit of a, a, a endeavor to try and and start uh, surrounding myself with with more thoughts that were positive and looking at how good things were instead of always talking about how bad everything was and I personally wanted to start changing my language and it's made a whole a massive difference in my life. Uh, but I think that it's really important for us to always have these sort of discussions and, and realise and point out the good things that are happening and how amazing this world really is. It's incredible. It is, isn't it? I mean, great things happen all the time, you know. Some things that you would call miracles happen all the time. Um, I... I can't stress enough for me that, that one of the best things I ever did was stop reading newspapers yeah. and stop watching commercial television and definitely stop watching the news. Yeah. Because oh, I joked to someone one day, I said, I've just, just te- checked out my front door and I don't see anyone from ISIS out there. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. so um, you know, it's this fear-mongering thing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't live in that place anymore. I just, I just live in, in, I live in wonderment. And I know I mentioned walking into shopping centres and sometimes feeling overwhelmed. That's an energetic thing for me. Um, so many people's energies. Uh, but also when I'm in there, I just... Uh, I look at... This happens every time I go. I just look at people and think, wow, man, there's another human being I don't know anything about. They're just like, having this experience as well. I wonder what their experiences are like. You know, This yeah. is where my head's at, just walking around a shopping centre. Yeah, not thinking wow. about what I'm going to buy or anything. <laughs> I was like, wow, check out these people and what do they do? And it's like they're experiencing this universe. I wonder how their experience is going. And <laughs> you know, it's like, so like, what you're doing here um, you know, is very much along those lines, is like actually finding out what's, what's well, going on for that person or this... Other people. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm so I'm so humble that you you can identify that that is part of my my plan. I, I just I want to get to know people more. I want to get you know uh, in into important, difficult, complex dis- discussions that re- really need to be discussed. We need to be able to develop ways to talk about the problems that are going on with the world, so that we can continue to improve it and make, yeah. make things better. Um, and, yeah, I, I find it very rare that people take the time out to, to really get into the, the depth of, of things and have conversations with real meaning. I think it's a big uh, problem that, that people don't do it and it's lacking. And in most social situations that I, I put myself in, yeah. a lot of the conversations that are happening are very superficial. Yeah. They're mimicking 
that crap that we see on TV and reading newspapers. Uh, well, that's what's called conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's what it's doing. Um, I agree with you. Is uh, the in-depth conversations and the superficiality of communication these days is... Um, and I'm not saying people are superficial, it's just this conditioning is going on where people don't really have conversations anymore because they all communicate through text messages mm. and SM, uh, Messenger and or Facebook. Uh, that's not a real conversation. Having mm. a conversation is sitting in someone's presence. You get all the nuances, you get their energy. Yeah, you're yeah. not just getting words. And you're not waiting one hour for a reply to a message because that's not a conversation either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can never really... Um, I mean, you could use Skype or something, but it's much nicer to relay uh, or commune and converse with someone in person than it is via messages. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I'm really interested in how... Okay, we've we've developed these technologies, yeah, and and I think we've we've alluded over the course of our discussion mm. that uh, sometimes these technologies can be really distracting, and um, I think we need to sort of emphasise that at the extreme level, they're actually uh, uh, having people practice in in the context of communication. Yeah, they're practicing communication, which is not deep. And then they, they're essentially developing habits where the, the communication is not deep all of the time because that's their mode of, of how they Correct. Com communicate. That's, with that's exactly how I see things are going on. Yeah. So, so I thought about this a lot. And, I, and actually, I want to share with you, I feel so privileged that when I was at university and I was tutoring, like I mentioned earlier in the conversation, yeah. it was when Facebook was really taking off and I had the honour of being the leader of a classroom of, of adults where I was, I, I was able to actually put out on the table as a class discussion. So what, what does everybody think about this Facebook thing? And what, is, what are people's thoughts on what it's going to do to communication and to connectivity between people? So I had some incredible conversations. I bet. <laughs> but it was very, very obvious that the majority of people, they lent towards how it's going to impact negatively on communication. So, you know, we, we've, we've sort of touched on them already. Yeah. Um, some of the, the more deeper conversations uh, that came out of some of those, those class discussions got to the level of, you know, being able to use emoticons or emojis and, yeah. uh, you know, that can, can pr provide a real mask from really being able to present what's really going on. People can hide behind it. You've got these conversations about avatars and, yeah. you know, how they can actually become this digital representation yeah. where people don't really get to know the real person behind that character. Yeah. And that then cultivates a society of people who are literally living more in that digital world and they're not really being able to live in a world where they're themselves and then you get a ready player one type scenario. Yeah, yeah. All okay. fantastic conversations. And yeah. I'm, and I feel so privileged that I was able to have those kind of conversations. What, what happened for me after I stopped teaching um, was I, I started getting to critique a lot of the thoughts that came out of me having that experience that's, as a, as that's a teacher. That's a good thing. Um, and it's a very natural thing that I do in, in general, which I feel I'm very privileged that I have that capacity to, to be quite critical. That's the same. Um, but I started, I started noticing that there weren't very many conversations about the good things that it could offer us. 
So I want to share with you an experience that I had which really sparked me to think a fair bit about this. This experience was, right, I've got young children. Yeah. I've got two, two boys. Um, they're, they're at the moment, they're 11 and 12, nearly 13. Yeah, I've met your so, boys a few times, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're in an age group where, well, first of all, they've, they've been born into a world where internet already exists yeah. and that com computers are common use, you know. Far be it from being born in the 70s or yeah, the 60s. Like right, we were yeah. born into a world where there was no None such thing as internet. Existed, man. We, we got out, rode our bikes, yeah, that's played right. in the dirt yeah. after school, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so as a parent, when your children are you know, three and they're starting to use your mobile you know, better than you can and then by the time they're five or six, they've got iPads and they're starting to engage with technology really early, and a majority of the discussions that you're having with other parents are, oh, this is really terrible, we've got to do something about this, we've got to restrict their use and all the rest of it. Um, for me, as a, as a behavioural scientist... You I know, was just I, thinking about this subject a couple of days ago. Yeah. Well, I, so I, it becomes, for me, I start, I start being critical about the kind of conversations that are happening. Like, it seems to be a very biased dialogue that it's all doom and gloom. This is horrible, it's horrible, yeah. it's horrible. So for me, I, I, was, I am in a position where I'm, I'm now separated with my boy's mum and so they live in two worlds. They've got one, one world with their mum and the mum comes up with their own rules when they're at their place and then they, they have another world living with dad and, and we have yeah. different set of rules. And you know, me and their mum have, have tried to get some consistency with a few things. Yeah. Uh, and we did when they were younger. But as they, they get older, you know, they, they develop the, the ability they're to... They're individuals then. They're growing, individuals yeah. and they have the, the, the ability to argue and debate yeah. and, um, and barter and <laughs> trade and yeah. all that sort of stuff now. Yeah. So the dynamics of it are, are a lot different. So there, there came this time a couple of years ago when it was pretty evident that they were completely engaged with with technology yeah. and and very specifically gaming world so they really get really got in getting into their games and I still like to do that myself sometimes <laughs> definitely definitely I do I do too but it's more making music yeah. is, is how I play my games nowadays but it came to a point where things were becoming concerning so me and their mum were discussing this as quite a concerning thing like they would any day rather sit inside and play video games all day long as opposed to getting outside at all and the discussions were coming up about how bad this is and, and all the same yes so i i started really thinking about this and and i experimented with various different things i experimented with uh, having specific time schedules uh, and and consequences for them not adhering to those time frames and all that sort of stuff and I found that we went through all these different challenges like, you know, okay, fair enough, there's a, there's a time frame in place and the boys had to only play games within that time frame. But then other things happened like, oh dear, the, the, the iPad which would keep the time all of a sudden ran out of batteries and now they're, all, they're already two hours into their one hour play and they didn't realise because the timekeeper <laughs> suddenly um, wasn't telling them the time. Oh or, no, stupid device. Or, you know, they go, or they, they, they do their one hour play and then they go, oh, can I go around to my friend's house? And they go around to their friend's house mm. and then they just play there. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's so many reasons why it was becoming really difficult to manage. Yeah. 
So I had this experience one day where I'm cooking dinner, kids are playing video games, and dinner's ready. And I need the kids to come, and I'm from the kitchen yelling out, you know, dinner, dinner's ready. Yeah. And Don't nothing, no response. one's coming, yeah. They're, they're just totally consumed. <laughs> so I'd yell a few more times and then I get a bit frustrated. And then I walk to their room, yeah. stand at the doorway and start saying, boys, dinner, dinner's ready, it's dinner time. They're so engrossed in their game that they're not hearing what I'm saying. They're yeah. literally not able to hear my call that dinner's ready. So I've, I've, I've had this experience many times before in, in the past, I've gotten to the point of I'm pissed now. Like, I'm angry. Yeah. Like, plug, plug yeah. out of the wall, yeah. you know, like, or grab get, the iPad. Get the scissors out, start chopping shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever had to happen. Yeah. But I, at this particular, this, this point, this time that this, this story that I'm telling unfolded, I was sick and tired of being angry. <laughs> I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, you get that point? Yeah. So, so I'm standing in the doorway. I'm doing this to myself. I'm, I'm, that's exactly right. I'm, I'm sitting there like feeling the frustration bubble up in me and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And at, at the time too, like I was, I, I, I think it was not long after I'd just come back from a Vipassana meditation retreat. So I'd just been meditating for 10 days straight. Yeah. And I was a lot more attuned to my feelings. So I could feel this frustration. I knew what it was and I knew that I was over it. I didn't want to react to the situation and have that frustration then be projected onto my boys, yeah. which ends up uh, completely damaging my relationship with them. They're going to go off and find some other way to play games anyway. You know, mm. My frustration being projected onto them is not going to help the situation. No. <laughs> so instead of yelling and screaming and, and doing what I would normally do, I went over to my phone and I picked it up and I typed a message to my boys. <laughs> boys, dinner's ready. Dinner's ready. Off in the background in their room, I hear this ding, notification comes yeah. up. 10 seconds later, things are off. They're coming out, get starting to help set the table. Yeah. And I'm just standing there watching this unfold. Yeah. That was simple, wasn't it? <laughs> so I can use technology solution-based thinking to actually engage my children to get them to do it this was just a game changer for me yeah it was an absolute game changer so well that's that's the problem isn't it? i mean you know as you said we grew up we didn't have this stuff and um so it conflicts with our teachings and upbringing and how how we were taught how to live and how things should be according to whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's much better to think of a solution and how to adapt to new circumstances. Yeah. And, but of course, you've got to have the self-awareness to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So this is what I, I don't believe we're making the most out of things because we are quite consumed mm. with being interrupted by technologies. Mm. We're so busy going, this is interrupting how I used to do things mm. that people are very quick to point out all the negatives about it, all yeah. the things that it's, it's disrupting. Uh, but I believe there's a lot of room for us to start discussing some of the good things about it. So, I mean, this, this very opportunity for you and me to sit here and have this discussion came about because I put a message out onto Facebook 
you were able to see that I was doing a podcast. Yeah, correct. We've communicated through this through this medium. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I see it as this is new mediums of communication and there's no norms around it. There, we, we have to develop them. Yeah, there's no benchmarks previously set and it's up to us what we do with them, you know. You've got to think of them as tools. Uh, uh, and but, but definitely, obviously, I mean, I'm on, you know, I've... Have experienced and felt on both sides of the fence that you're describing the negatives and and the positives. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, I've uh, I've been often been a have myself been a very big critic of Facebook. I even completely deleted it for several months. I didn't just oh, did deactivate you? it. I got rid of it. Did you? Yeah. Killed it. Don't don't want it because I just uh, and because I was just finding for myself it was just. Uh, a, I was spent using using it too much, mm-hmm. uh, and I was feeling that the relationships weren't authentic mm-hmm. um, because I'm not having conversations with these people. I don't see most of my friends. I don't. We don't hang out. We don't do this. What we're doing right now. We don't mm-hmm. talk. Um, and it just it just doesn't feel real. It's uh, uh, to me this is one of my negative ones. Is it just feels like it's this filter between reality and um, what's portrayed online yeah. about, about your life. And so you're, you're deleting your account and, I deleted and the un- whole unplugging account. it for a bit was because that that experience was actually causing you some, some stress? And Yeah, yeah, I was just, um, I really didn't, uh, for me personally, yeah, I, I was, uh, you know how a lot, of, a lot of people like to portray their, how fantastic their life is going mm. on Facebook, you mm. know? And mm. we know this is not a reality for anyone because we yeah. all have our ups and downs and so yeah. on and so forth. Yeah. And, but I was finding that... Um, I was finding it actually antisocial, meaning we didn't actually hang out anymore mm. because we're all communicating through this filtered medium instead. It's a really good point, man. <laughs> it's a really good point. So there's that... Yeah. Kind of delusion that we're connected because we're reply- responding to posts online and all the rest of it. And I'm totally feeling the opposite. I'm feeling that I'm no longer connected to the, anyone. And f- for you, yeah, do, do you also find that that's then reinforced by when you go out and yeah. you physically meet someone, yeah, and the interaction feels sort of uncomfortable and the interaction feels and- Facebooky, if is what I'll call it. Yeah, I've noticed that, and it's just something I was thinking about the other day. I was like, "Oh wow, that um, that little interaction with someone that is my friend was Facebooky." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'll call it. It was just like, yeah, it's it was almost. You might as well have been talking to me in emojis, you know. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's the feeling I had at the time. It's like, this is not cool, and and like, and you know, I'm not going to harp on too long about my negative feelings towards that medium, because I can also harp on about positive ones as well. But, yeah, I was just finding um, it was disconnecting from actual friendships and hanging out with people. And yeah. um, if I come and catch up with you, I already know everything that's going on with you because you've put it all on Facebook, you know. Or it's n- not totally the truth, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like a large chunk of it is all been sprawled across there in little snippets, but there's no sense of actually, hey, I'm coming to visit you, but we haven't got anything to really talk about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you've reactivated it now. I reactivated it and put some really stringent controls on there. Um, 
the privacy, like the privacy settings and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I just simply added people that I see in real life. Mm. Um, you know, that people that I feel connected to or friends with in my real life. Um, I've added people that I know that live a long way away. So this is a good aspect of Facebook. Mm, um, definitely. And there's other tools you can use besides Facebook, but, you know, uh, so long, long distance friendships, it's excellent for that. Yeah. And family. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally... Um, after completely deleting Facebook and cutting it back to bare minimum, I think I've got 35, maybe 40 tops friends on there. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so, do and you... I've made, sorry, uh, and I'll say minimising it down to that has made uh, the medium much less distracting. Yeah. Because yeah, um, yeah. there's so much on there, like, especially if you've got a gazillion friends, oh, yeah. I did quote fingers there, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just full of crap all the time, yeah. you know. And since they've changed their algorithms also, is you only start seeing stuff from people you click like or interact with occasionally, otherwise the rest of them drop off there. Yeah. And that's another thing I don't like about it now is that that whole thing's changed. I'd actually like to, now that I've cut my thing down to a small group, to be able to see what my friends, are, all my friends are posting. Even if you're not clicking Because these stuff. are the people that I'm interested in. That's why they're on my Facebook. Yeah, they're not so just everybody, some random, I get random friend requests from people mm. all the time just because we've got a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. I don't even know you and you haven't even sent me a message to say why you want to be my friend. And I know there's other psychological things and this is just the way things are. Like you're talking about that, like a new medium, this is just... Oh, this people's this person's obviously read something that you've written, mm. and you sound interesting to them, and so they want to add you as a friend. They yeah. haven't explained any of that. Yeah, but you have to try and realise that that's actually probably a bit of the thought pattern that's going on in there. You know, when I get I get that, mm. I literally don't I don't accept. I send them a message, and I say thank you. Yeah, for the request. Have we actually met before? Mm. And I've been practicing this for quite a long time. Mm. Nearly, nearly 10 years I've been practicing doing this. And it's fascinating. It's really, really interesting. So I kind of compel the person to explain to me why they want to connect. Yeah, with I've me. done that many times, yeah. Mm. And there's, you know, it's a great way to filter. You get a lot of people who don't <laughs> reply. Yeah. It's like, great, I Boom. delete that delete, request. Yeah. Cool. But there are plenty of people too who go on to explain to me that for whatever reason they saw this yeah, post or exactly, they yeah. this mutual friend and they and, and I looked interesting. Mm. And it's like awesome. Like that's that's a good enough reason to want to connect with someone. Agreed. Tell me more about yourself. And then I usually have a little bit of a yeah. bit of banter backwards and forwards until I go, okay, like I'm 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 grateful that we're connected now. And then I always sort of close with a, if you see me in real life, you know, please make sure if you recognise me, come up and say good day. We can yeah. see each other in person. But yeah, I found that a fantastic experiment mm. to be able to refine the people that I have have that I'm connected with. Can I can I ask you, Neil? Yeah. Is, from from the way that you described your reactivating your Facebook and then and then your conditions that you're putting in place. Yes. Is is your Facebook experience is it something that you're you're using as a personal
kind of experience? So you're connecting with people, family, people that you, you do want to have real relationships with. So therefore, are you attempting to design your Facebook profile so it's an extension of your real self, of your authentic, genuine person? Attempting to, yes. Yeah. Um, but as I said, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not that easy to do because of the way it's set up and the way the algorithms run mm. in, in, in Facebook. So, yeah, I, I am. Um, it's like I'm a member of a couple of groups that are excellent groups, you know, the uh, very uh, similar to what we're doing in person, you're very real, very deep, mm -hmm. um, kind, non-abusive, uh, just thoughtful groups. What, on whatever the particular subject matters are mm -hmm. um, and whatever the guidelines of the group is set up for, you know, everyone you stick stick within that. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's excellent for that because, yeah, you can connect to people all mm -hmm. over the world mm -hmm. um, that have similar interests or whatever the case might be, you know. Mm -hmm. but, um, so, yeah, it's good for that. Yeah. Um, so so <coughs> I, I, I say personal... Yeah. Because I think the medium can be used in so many different ways. So, mm. I mean, you know, nowadays there is the, um, like, you can set up as a business or a band or an entity, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and <coughs> therefore then that platform becomes more of a marketing and promotional tool. Yeah, I'll have a page for that too, for the massage and Reiki work. Um, yeah. Honestly, I haven't even been using that lately because, uh, once again, I found due to the the structure and the algorithms, even that that page, Facebook page, wasn't particularly successful for my work. Yeah, yeah. Gum, yeah. Gumtree was way more successful than yeah. Facebook yeah, in getting yeah. massage clients and stuff. Yeah. Because um, it's just the nature of Facebook that it's such a, um, a, a, a an experience of flicking and scrolling through and like you quickly look and see these notifications and everyone does it. You decide which ones you feel like looking at and the other ones you don't. You might not even look at at all, you know. We yep. all do it. It's like, mm. and so this is the frivolous nature of that uh, communication medium and one of the things I don't like about it is that it's, it's dis did, did, disingenuous, it's not authentic. Yeah. Uh, yet, yet you're attempting to change that with uh, your, well, your, your personal profile? I'm attempting to minimise, minimise it um, the influence of it and uh, and what's attached what attached to it. So you know, not anyone can just send me a friend request. All that switched mm. off. You know, I've only got a very small group of friends. I'm in a couple of groups, mm. um, and I only use it to I use it mostly to talk in the talk within P, these groups these days than I do for other other posts or, or, or see what's going on with friends because, mm -hmm. you know, quite frankly, I can pick up the phone and call them instead, you know. Mm. It's like, um, which is still not a, like an in-person in conversation but it's much more genuine rapport and exchange than going through that medium. I feel that way anyway. Because you know, tone and intent can be missing, um, you know. We, we've all done it on Facebook or through our messages where you've written something, you know what it means in your head and the person's read it the wrong way. You know? Totally, yeah. Because... Yeah. Sarcasm doesn't translate well <laughs> You're not even doing it as sarcasm. It? It's just like, uh, uh, you know, things can have double meanings. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, that, that brings up a point to me, like how I've noticed how 
it's very difficult to have phone conversations with a lot of young people these days. Yeah. They, re they really struggle to be able to um, just just connect the, the same way that when phone used to be the main technology that we would use to communicate with people who weren't in our physical proximity. Uh, for me, a good conversation, you could still feel the connection. You could still pick up little inflictions in the voice and you could respond to those nuances. And exactly. There was still a certain depth that you could achieve through the, the phone medium. Yeah. But I can't it's help but changing. notice how that's changed yeah, so much. It has. Um, yeah, and, I, and it's just because, or I feel it's because of these new communication mediums that are, that are out there. And I'm a bit worried about that too, to be honest. I'm, I'm very concerned about um, how that level of communication seems to be fading away to this weird little snippets of one line text. Mm. I don't actually want to talk to you on the phone, I'll send you a message instead. Mm, mm, mm. What could have been finished in a 10 second conversation on a phone has just taken an hour in text messages. Mm. You know, it's like, mm. it's a bit weird. <laughs> Okay, so I'm really interested in, in your ideas and, and they could be very much anecdotal ideas yep. on how we might be able to combat this, this effect that we're talking about where um, technology has created um, this, this lack of communication, this, these sort of superficial interactions that we're having. What what do you feel are things that we could do, practical things that we could do that could improve this sort of situation? No, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I certainly don't think using the, the stick method is going to work. You know what I mean by stick methods, like beating people into submission. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, uh, like you're mentioning uh, the younger folks these days, like <clears throat> always on games or, or Facebook and minimal communication and mm. stuff like that. Um, I don't think trying to beat the, beat that out of them or beat, beat the change or force the change is um, uh, like force your own will onto others to change it. Um, yeah, solutions for it. I mean... I'm not 100% sure. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to bring up that one of the things that I have noticed that is really detrimental to communication, which I feel is very, very easy to circumnavigate with online communication, and that is the ability or inability to resolve conflict. So when things come up in conversation <coughs> interaction where somebody doesn't agree with you, yeah, it's very easy to log off or, you know, put a emoji that resembles that you think that they're full of shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. You know, you st or you step away from the computer or whatever. You yeah, it's very and easy and so to avoid yeah. conflict. It's very yeah. easy to just to walk away. Yeah. And, and I personally believe that this is one of the most detrimental things that seems to have been produced by not having norms and, and rules around how we're going to actually use this technology. Yeah, I'd have to totally agree. 
and it's and it's the, the the major theme that I personally am proposing we really need to to, to try and get on top of. So. I, I think that one of the things that, that really needs to be um, modelled most of all by having conversations and hopefully like recording them like we're doing and sharing them mm. is that we're, we're demonstrating that you know even though I might not agree with some of the things that you say, yeah. you might not agree with some of the things that I have to say, yeah. together we can utilise communication to be able to analyse them a little bit and maybe get underneath the surface of them and, and find out that perhaps our, our different points of view are a contextual thing. There's something to do with our personal experiences or of our course, personality. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to learn more about why you might feel a certain way about something, it only gives me greater insight into the human experience. It's yeah. an experience that I might not have had. It's an experience that <clears throat> another human's yeah, had. Yeah. And, um, and now I'm feeling more comfortable in consciousness because I have, I have a greater understanding of how another person could feel. I have more insight into the range of, of emotions and sensations and feelings yeah, exactly. that is part of the human experience. Yeah, and if, um, yeah, um, yeah, and if we keep filtering our um, interactions through devices, yeah, that's not gonna be very helpful. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and as you said, yeah, the whole conf conflict thing. People, uh, not only there's not only that that aspect where uh, you can simply uh, not engage in conflict, um, and as we know, that's not how life works. There's always going to be con conflict in like, your life somewhere, and you're going to have to learn how to deal with it. And this is what you're alluding to is like our younger folk not having the capacity to to be able to resolve conflict. Uh, effectively um, and then and I'll probably say on top of that is the other side of it also using uh, these mediums to communicate is um, people say some horrendous things in typed messages to other human beings mm. because they can do it from the comfort of their own home in their little chair with uh, with no consequence whatsoever mm -hmm. and quite often no real thought put into it. Mm. And I find, actually, that's another thing I find with the, the, these mediums these days is it's so uh, quick and fast that, you know, sometimes it's good to have sit back and have a think about something before you respond. <laughs> and there's some, a lot of the times these days there's no, there's no time wasted. There is just instantaneous, quite often nastiness. And, and Sometimes it's instantaneous good stuff too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but a lot of uh, what I feel that you're trying to share, mm. a lot of it too, it, it comes from uh, n not from the place that we were discussing earlier of intuition. No. It, it will come from uh, a, a, thought, a thought process un unlike an analytical process, a, cr a critical analysis process, yeah, yeah. which is what you're saying That's if right, you sat, yes. sit back and think about yeah, it. Yeah. But it comes from uh, a, a cognitive process yeah, yeah. that is, is very much a product of the influences that are surround us in society and Absolutely. our environment and yeah. our culture and our upbringing and the, the media that we watch on TV or Spot on YouTube on. Or, yeah. or whatever. And so they're not necessarily our own divine truths. They're just simply reactionary ideas yeah. that have come from a wider culture that has influenced us. So um, if we're practicing these kinds of interactions, 
then we are going to become further disconnected. Yeah. We're not going to be able to, to really uh, nurture uh, our, our empathic connections with other people. And if people are getting into the habit of reactionary sort of, of communication styles, think of the karma that's involved in it too. Yeah, yeah. You it's, touched on that yeah. as a system of, of <clears throat> energetic reciprocity. Yeah. But, man, I mean, I, I, I see this all the time in, in people that I work with uh, when we're, we're talking uh, about spiritual comfort, like how, how that comfortable they feel in their own spirit. And, and often things uh, get to a point in my discussion with them where they're starting to reflect on all the bad things that they've all they've done all their life, and yeah. it's adding up to some sort of karmic yeah. consequence to them, and that's yes. why they're experiencing such pain at the moment, or whatever. Yeah. And it, when those sort of conversations come up for me when I'm working with with people, uh, you know, I start talking about well, you know what sort of bad things you, you're talking about, and they they go straight to you know some of the big incidences that they've had in life where you know they've they've set fire mm. to their mum's kitchen or whatever yeah, yeah. but then when we look at it further we There's sort of actually start, all the little things all these little yeah, things yeah. It's, it's like what 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 would what would define you know a karmic consequence mm. and we look into it a bit further and once you know people start actually thinking well you know when you when you be horrible to someone yeah, it's exactly. like all right so how, how often would you be horrible and then they go oh well I was horrible to my sister back in, you know, in 19, 1981 and, yeah. and that. It's like, what about more, more recently? And it's like, oh, and I don't think I've been that hor Oh, there was that time when I posted this. Oh, there was the time when I commented on that. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then we start unpacking that. Yeah. And the, the, the degree to which people are so automatically responding really horribly, really negatively, um, really nasty with, with malevolent intent behind yeah, it yeah. Uh, is real quick karmic banking that is going to be of, of consequence at some point. Yeah. And, and I think that this is extremely important. I mean, it's important when you, we're having conversation with someone and we've got that immediate reflection. We've got that, that, um, that empathic kind of process that happens where when you're in the presence of someone and you say something that's mean and horrible, you get to see the, the expression on their face. You get yeah. to see the pain that you've just inflicted on that person yeah. and you have the opportunity to respond. Mm. But when you don't have that opportunity, when you're online, you can say something nasty and as you said, there's no consequences for it, this is a really dangerous paradigm oh, in agree. terms of karmic consequences. I agree. I mean, no, you know, that's why I, uh, you probably figured out by now I actually lean more on the... <laughs> I lean more on the side of not liking the new new ways of communicating um, than seeing the, the good things that it does because just because of those experiences you're describing there. Is so I, I, I <clears throat> have certainly had the experience of giving thought to what I'm writing. So there has certainly been many... And, and I, would like to, too, yeah. I would like to think that most times that I ever put something online now, I do do it with some thought mm. behind it. And I often do drafts and then and delete th things that I've written in that statement or whatever I'm, I'm writing about, yeah. and I'll rewrite it with the aim of, of being really clear about what I'm, I'm trying to write about. Um, and I have found that if, if I maintain 
my communicative integrity yeah. online like I do attempt to try and maintain in real life in person. Yeah. Uh, I, I find that that there is potential for these mediums to reach a greater number of people, to be able to um, you, know, you know develop um, more quality in in uh, the people you have in your life but it only happens if you remain true to your integrity yeah. and you speak your truth and you get you, you know you become um, mindful about what what you're posting and what you're putting online so yeah. I mean I've certainly done I've certainly gone through periods or, or maybe not so periods I've definitely posted stuff online that I haven't put much thought into it mm. at all, you know. Well, me too. Me I've, too. I've done it, you know. Yeah, yeah me but too. But I've also, yeah, I, I often, as you probably know, I, I post thoughtful things, yeah. thought-provoking things. I believe I do anyway. You do. Well, I you get responses. Yeah. I, rec- I do get responses from them. So yeah, yeah and, me and too. in my life, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think every day, you know, like I. And mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know, I. I You're practicing I, being I'm, mindful. I ponder about the being. world and like. Uh, how people interact. I, you know, I think about sociology and psychology and the universe and the mm-hmm. cosmos and the microcosmos and all of it all of the time. And, and a, it's magnificent, all of it. And um, but yeah, I just want to learn. You know, I want to yeah, knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really important point to make out that if you if you're coming from a, a, a place of wanting to grow, wanting to learn. Wanting to um, be humble to to the uh, ever unfurling process of, of evolving, then it, it's very important to to be thoughtful and, and mindful about how you're interacting with other people. Um, if if you think you know it all and you're always right and you've always got some point to make, <laughs> you, you're essentially cutting off the, the capacity to connect empathically with other people. Of course. If you're always, yeah. if you're always right. And that's, uh, you know, that alludes back to what I said um, early on in the piece is, um, you know, leaving, always leaving your mind open to um, new, new beliefs and thought patterns and new mm. ideas, you know, uh, not, to, not to become fixated on this is the truth and there's nothing else but this, you know. Well, because uh, you can have truths in, in in any given moment, of course, but you've got to have the ability to let them be subject to change. Yeah, <laughs> most certainly. Yeah. Well, well, I hope that there has been some aspects of our discussion which are offering you new perspectives on on things. I think you know t- definitely um, the the discussion on on technology uh, has been really interesting, and I really I. I I don't really get a chance to to share sort of my thoughts about it, mm. and 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 I am finding that I'm I'm noticing that I'm developing uh, my uh, expression around this sort of topic uh, because I do think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done around this, and if you're just perceiving yeah. technology as being a negative thing, then that's exactly what it's going to be. Right. Yeah, that's how it if, works. If we can yeah. cultivate dialogue a- around the positive aspects of it, I think that uh, what we're doing then is is kind of we're putting out on the table that hey this is something that it look it's fairly new in the grand scheme of things we developed it as a process of trying to make our lives easier but we didn't really know what we unleashed when we actually launched this yeah in, i think one the of world. the one of the ceos or, or not obviously not mark i can't remember the guy's name but there was uh, a gentleman that worked for 
Facebook and one of the high-level guys and, yeah, he came out and was pretty much saying what you were just talking about is, like, we didn't really know the, the monster. Like, the, he said, I don't, I don't let my kids use it. I don't... He said, I, I've got a Facebook account, but he said, I don't really use it either because it's... I personally have found them. This is a guy that was actually in the leadership there. Yeah, I find it a little bit... It's been a little bit damaging so far. Mm. So it could be a better tool. Mm. And, and it probably well, just comes from, you know, from education. I would love to see people start using um, full sentences and mm. uh, uh, actual good terminology and expressions mm -hmm. um, to explain what they're trying to say, mm -hmm. um, even if it is in a message. Mm -hmm. um, but this just, this flipping well, quick, quick hit message exchanging all the time is just, mm -hmm. there's no room for thought. Well, I, I want to get back to that in just a moment. Yeah, sure. But I, I, I definitely want to bring up how that, well, when this little invention called the printing press first came out, mm. no one had any idea what it was going to turn into. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same thing happened when television came out, obviously telecommunications, yeah. phones, like no one had any idea what yeah. they would become. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that it's pretty important to just accept that because we are such creative beings, yeah. we're forever going to be creating things that we have no idea what the outcome is going to be of them in the future. Absolutely. And to me, I, I personally think that, uh, you know, the greatest lesson of history is we don't learn the lessons of history. <laughs> but wouldn't it be fantastic if we started having conversations about perhaps what some of the potentials, the negatives that might come out of this technology before we release it to the world? Yeah. Uh, it would be fantastic. That, that would be for me, one way that we could move forward that would provide... I think it's a great idea. And I imagine that, uh, I imagine those um, companies and corporations probably think that they've done that. Well, a little, little bit of market research yeah, here and there, yeah. you mean. But, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. But it's, um, yeah, but they haven't really... But it's about money. Yeah, it's, it's, and this is the problem. Their market it's, research it's is about not, not about yeah. what... You know, their, yeah. their business plan may include a little chapter on there mm. on the, the negative implications of releasing this technology, but it's going to be the negative implications in terms of the bottom line yeah. turnover. Um, it's not going to necessarily be uh, a well-thought-out um, discussion about the implications for society or for culture around it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I think that we, we certainly are capable of doing it. Uh, and, and for me... I getting getting back to, to the uh, the question that I put out to you about you know what we could perhaps do yeah. to be able to try and combat these mm. effects from happening. To me, what you and I are doing it right now. Yeah, so it's just having conversations. By yeah. having conversations, and education, and, a little bit of education. Yeah, the other the other thing that I wanted to share to come back to mm -hmm. is that I I have to share with you as a father watching my children grow up is that even though the negative effects that we've been discussing mm -hmm. are apparent, there, there is a lack of being able to resolve conflict, and there is a, a, a tendency for people to be able to say things without thinking about it and they're hiding behind their keyboard. Yeah. All those effects are apparent and they're real. However, overall, I must share with you that I'm watching my children 
and the the rate at which their brain is developing is exponential. It's crazy, isn't it, these days? It is phenomenal. Yeah. So the capa- like for, for, for a three-year-old to be able to start picking up an iPad and start using it, mm. it's doing something to their brains which I can only describe as it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an evolution of some kind. Yeah, of there course. is something yeah. happening which the, the intersection between technology and the brain, the intersection is is having an effect where it is going to um, produce different types of brains, basically. Yeah. So the the, the conversation that we were having before about um, I, I brought it up as AI, and you were talking about yeah. uh, integrating technology augmentation, with augmentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe is already here. Yeah. I believe that um, you know we, when we. Generally, if we think about that, we're thinking about cyborgs and sci-fi kind of stuff. But I personally think it's well worth us thinking about the intersection currently between people and the algorithms that are on on Facebook. To me, there is an an interaction that's going on there which might not be necessarily physical matter connecting with physical biological matter, but it, it is our... The, you know the way that we're using mm. the, the websites or the the Facebook technology or whatever is is us interacting with technology, yeah, I and agree. then that top yep. technology is responding mm. through its algorithms, its algorithms, so that you know there there is a relationship going on. Yeah, it's all, it's almost like those. Well, it's not even almost. I think it is like those algorithms that are used to deliver information to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, rewiring your brain. Yes. For and this is for it. So this is exactly. It's not quite what AI, but yeah, that's almost. But it's having that. Yeah, it's having that effect of rewiring your neurological pathways. Um, and that's on what how I'm, to uh, receive information. And that's what I'm, I'm noticing. So in my children, uh, the way in which they're they're learning is. It's just so much more rapid than what it was for me. Like their capacity to be able to learn complex math stuff, like it's 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 more advanced, more evolved than what it was for me when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, like my my kids, like they're learning binary coding at the moment, and they yep. can like they can literally just calculate a, a binary string. Yeah. I don't even understand it yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm having them try to explain it to me and they're just like, oh, Dad, come on, like, you know, how can you not get this? Like, it's like, you know, add up the ones and zeros and I don't get it then. But the way that they're able to do that is demonstrative of a more advanced brain than when I was their age doing algebra, you know, oh, just, just doing some basic... I agree. I, I, stuff. I, can't help, I can't help but wonder if, though, uh, that capacity has been there and it's just that... Um, because we have so much access to so much information now that we didn't have. You know, if we wanted to learn something in the past, we used to have to go to a book. Look up the uh, old encyclopedia. And take forever to read about it. Uh, and now in, you know, in one minute you can look up ten different viewpoints on a particular subject. You know, it's, uh, so now that you can do that yeah. and you're able to... Uh, well, look... I, there's there's a couple of things that, that are coming up for me in this conversation now. Mm. If if you're avail- if you have so much information available, mm. um, 
and it is changing neurology to, to a point, mm -hmm. that to me is a biological evolution. Like we're actually transforming the biology yeah, of the brain, yeah. as, whether it be maybe there's more neurons that are connected, yeah. um, you know, there's, a, there's faster firing um, between synapses. I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, what's going on, but it's evolving in some way. It'd be something worth trying to measure if someone's not, someone probably doing it somewhere mm. anyway right now, but. Well, well, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the other side of the coin though, is for, for me pers personally, I experience the advancement of technology more so this way, because I now can get on Google at any time and look up something. Mm -hmm. There's less and less reason to use my brain to hold unimportant facts and bits of information. Yeah, and so I, I can relate to that. I'm personally experiencing this kind of shedding mm. of useless stuff that I have in my head, which for me personally is starting to equate back into the intuition basket. Yeah. I'm not, become, I'm not so consumed with thoughts and, and even things like having to remember things, you know, all my diary and my calendar's all online now. <laughs> it's on my phone. <clears throat> I don't have to remember this appointment because I can, you know, I can do yeah. alerts yeah. and notifications yeah, and this and that. Yeah. And that allows me to have a freer brain because I'm not necessarily using it for all this useless information. Yeah, this is true. And, if you, you know, if you choose to put that brain work into good things, what... What amazing things can come out of that. And this is another big thing. I'm not a big fan about um, where our society and culture is on these days. That is um, that there's so much human potential out mm. there, mm. but where um, but we're in this system where people have more or less, to me, it feels forced, but mm. have to go off and do these, spend you know most of their waking hours doing this job mm. to get money. Mm. So money gives me the shits. Um, when all that time can be used to like explore that individual's potential. What do you think of this this idea of a um, like a universal income? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? There's plenty of money in the world, and I know that sort of leads to you, you like socialism, this. communism, and stuff like this. But I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like you know, there's sufficient resources and stuff on this world for everybody. No, no one should be hungry, for starters. Mm. Um, no one should be without shelter. You know, there's ample, ample uh, net worth, if you want to call it that, of the planet to, for everyone to be okay in that respect. Mm. But yeah, if, <clears throat> I think it's a great idea to have a universal income. Basic, I mean, universal money's not even real rate. anyway. It's a, you know, it's a digital number in a computer. It's not a real thing, it doesn't exist. Mm. It's just a, it's a, just a tool for mm. trade and, and so, control. So, do you think in that if, if we were if we were to implement a universal basic mm. income? Mm. So this this for those who don't don't know this yeah, is a debate that's that's been ongoing for a little while. Mm. That if we redistributed all of the wealth in the world, um, so that everybody essentially is receiving the same basic wage, mm. same same amount of income. Uh, that this would uh, resolve a lot of the issues that, that come from people not being able to have money and not being able to afford the things they want. Uh, obviously, the mega-rich people are going to have to stop living in mansions and stop <coughs> driving um, 
Ferraris and all the rest of it. Well, they may not necessarily. Well, they, they, <laughs> they, may, they may not for sure. But, um, but yeah, the general idea is that we're, we all have receive equal uh, funding mm. to be able to live out our life. Mm. Um, so obviously if we just, if we just implemented this, mm. there's going to be problems with it, yeah? Oh, like cool. If, there's pros and, you know, there's so, pros and cons and I don't even know if... I don't even know if that's possible for the entire world to have a universal income. Mm, mm, yeah. for, well, for what reasons? Yeah, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, just for human nature of yeah, greed, greed, and desire for more, and greed and all that is mm. still in place in consciousness. So, yeah. if we were suddenly just to, to give everyone the same equal amount of basic income, there are those people who will squander it who will use exactly. it for, for things that are yeah. not, not functional, there's no utility, yeah. and whereas you've got other people who aren't going to behave like that with their money, and you're going to end up with things polarised the way that they are now. Anyway. Correct. So, um, so the, therefore then, to me, being able to manage a, a more equal world really comes down to being able to eradicate things like yeah. greed and... and, and uh, like yeah. Em- over overpowering people, uh, male- a malevolent force. Yeah, it's um, you know, so I'm, this I'm glad you said malevolent force because you know it truly does feel like to me that, it, and it may, it may sound old-fashioned, it does feel like a battle between good and evil mm-hmm. and light. Light and dark is maybe another way of putting it. You know, so it's like this, so this well, is a raising human consciousness and awareness and understanding and kindness and. So this is a that this is, is definitely a very, hugely important. This is a this is a very deep uh, topic now. I think Neil, because yeah. fundamentally, you know, this this idea of good and evil, uh, it, it is the the really the basis of of uh, our consciousness. Yeah. Really. Um, so, you know, there is the the, the Buddhist idea that we're we're born into suffering. That you, you know, the having the experience of, of this malevolent force is an inherent nature of being. Yeah. Uh, so, w- when we talk about, uh, I guess, er- like eradicating greed, uh, eradicating all those negative sort of malevolent um, uh, manifestations, mm-hmm. are we are we talking about completely? Um, like just destroying the, the very engine that is life itself? Yeah, well, it's a good question because, um, you know, where, where would it all lead? Um, mm. Is there some sort of ascension, perhaps? Yeah. So the way, the way that I've come to feel yeah. it is that this, this engine mm-hmm. is important to life. Yeah, yeah. That uh, you know, this, whether, whether you look at it as, you know, as a yin-yang yeah, yeah. or, or how, however... Uh, you know the, um, the uberus. However, however you look at how energy is is transformed and <coughs> regenerates and, and all the rest of it. Uh, to me, I, I think that when, when we're discussing it in, in terms of like good and evil or yeah. malevolent, malevolent, uh, I, I feel a, a deep sense down in me that because it is an inherent part of of being. And yeah, quite frankly, we are born into suffering. I'm quite indoctrinated with Buddhist philosophy. Yeah. Uh, so this resonates with me, you know, from the very, very notion of being this tiny cellular organism in this wonderfully warm, 
environment in the womb yeah. and then coming out and having to bloody breathe. Yeah. Like, you know, that's struggle street right there yeah. from the very, very get-go. And where'd my manual, <laughs> where'd my manual go for telling me how to do this thing? Yeah. <laughs> how evil is this place? You know, like, so we're, we're right from the get-go, you know, we, we, we're, we're born into that suffering. Uh, and therefore then the project of being human becomes, you know, how we can cultivate the, the, the goodness and the, the beauty and how we can uh, balance that, that suffering with all the goodness that it that, Yeah, well, that balance, balance is the key. And, I mean, you know, it goes, pretty much goes back to that basic thing of, um, uh, you know, without knowing great joy... You, you need both ends. You, you, need, you both need both ends. ends. Otherwise, what are you experiencing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's why I was thinking like you know if for me you know I think about these things all the time is like you know where is this leading to you know I ask myself this question you know did I even choose, did I choose to come and do this or mm-hmm. uh, even if I'm part of this God consciousness I can see how you know I can see how that probably works out how you need to experience all this dark and light and good and evil and like the full spectrum of consciousness mm-hmm. um yeah without without having both extremes you know being in the middle would be kind of boring <laughs> maybe but yeah so I don't, I don't even you know i don't know where it's leading mm. but I, I agree with you though it's um the world could be a, a bit kind of place but having said that i've done i've traveled traveled a lot around the world and most people yeah. Most people are just like you and I. Yeah. They're not out to hurt anyone. Yeah. And some of the happiest people in the world I've seen are the people that have the least stuff. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> don't have electricity, might have a hut, don't have a job, mm. big smiles on their face, go fishing. Yeah. <laughs> love my fam, have their families, love their families. Yeah. 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 I, I get really disappointed that... um. I never, I mean, you know, I'm no, like I said, I'm no economics ex- expert, but I don't understand why businesses always need to grow every year, <laughs> you know, to make more money. Got to make more money. Why can't, if you're making enough money for you and the people that work for you or with you to have a comfortable lifestyle, why do you got to keep increasing that amount year on year on year? Mm-hmm. Why can't it just be... Even if it's just at the GDP amount, I mean, I understand that. But, you know, like, I've worked for big corporations, like I mentioned, and, you know, they want you to increase profits and reduce costs every single year mm-hmm. by very large amounts mm. that aren't in line with any GDP figures. <clears throat> and it makes no sense to me. That's, that's just greed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a big fan of greed. I'm very generous. Whenever I have a lot, I give a lot. <laughs> mm. Well, getting into the, the realms of, of existential philosophy, <laughs> I think is um, <clears throat> is probably a whole other conversation. Oh, man. absolutely, it's a whole other yeah. podcast. Yeah. So I'd love to have one of those. I love existentials. Yeah. Well, well, let's do it, man. Let's yeah. do it. So, um, well, yeah, we've. We've now been talking for over two and a half hours. No, you're kidding. So uh, it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for and, having me. And I think that this is a fantastic point to, to stop because it, it does seem, it feels to me like it, it, we've opened 
a, a door to oh, a whole yeah. other Pandora's box, conversation. mate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, exactly what I wanted to achieve okay. uh, today. So awesome. Thank you for having you know, me. I think that, that we're, uh, we're feeling this way, like we've gotten to a point where we're only just starting off. Yeah. Uh, it, it exemplifies our aim mm. to model good conversations. So we both got me, big smiles on our faces. We do. So, we do. so it feels <laughs> we're it feeling feels pretty happy. About intuition it, yeah. is flowing. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I just want to want to take the time and and, and point out that uh, to be able to get to a point where we're feeling good mm. and you know we've we've gotten to a point where there's further conversation that could be mm. had. To me, these are the the. Um, the indicators of a successful conversation. Oh, you feel inspired, you feel happy, yeah. you feel excited. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's got everything positive about it. Good, Dan, <laughs> good, good. Well, thank you so much, brother, to, for, for coming and, and being part of, of, of regrouping with, with me. And you know, the aim is to develop a bit of a community here. So hopefully you, you're also plugging into other people who want to have conversations and... and having um, meaningful dialogue is, is important to them. So that's the, the hope that we're developing a, co a community. In, of, oh, of I'm always people, up for that so. with anybody out there. <laughs> Fantastic, man. So, um, like, if anybody is interested in, <coughs> in contacting you... Absolutely, and is, yeah. Is that okay? Where yeah, would you know they how be? to get a hold of me. Yeah? yeah. So they can... They, can they contact you on Facebook? Sure, they if they want out to. to you? Yeah, how yeah. how would they find you? What's, what's uh, your... Uh, Phoenix Starborn is my name on Facebook. Yep. Um... A lot of people call me Phoenix. My real name is Neil. Yeah. Uh, I've been using that name for a long time, Phoenix Starborn. Just something that came to me. Yeah. You know, obviously the, all the imagery that goes with that, rising from the ashes several times in my life. And, um, and the Starborn is very much believing I come from Stardust, I'm yeah. from the universe. So. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so you're totally cool with people uh, reaching out to you on Facebook. Yep, they'll have to drop me. Phoenix Starborn. Yes, just drop me a message. Drop me a message, yeah. explain why yeah. you want to connect. Absolutely. And it starts a relationship. Because you won't be able to see. Good note. Yeah, if you, unless you're a friend of a friend, you won't even be able to send me a friend request. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, so there, so there could be some difficulty. Oh, no, you can send a message to me. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but you just can't send a request. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, fantastic. I'd have to um, update my settings, let, let you in my little group. And yeah, then, so um, send a message to Phoenix. If, <laughs> yeah, you wanna, yeah. if, you wanna, if you wanna connect to him, send a, a message to Phoenix Starborn. Yeah, more than happy. Alrighty, mate. Well, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated, and I look forward to continuing oh. the conversation. <laughs> When we, when we get there. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, blessings to all. Hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah.